All those who are holding tickets outside will get in as fast as they can. I'm speaking not to you, ladies and gentlemen, but I'm speaking to the crowd on the outside who seem to be standing rather reluctant to come in, and we're going to start this very soon. Welcome back to Worthy, where we are starting a very special new episode. This is our summer review. Now, what we're doing today, we're joined by a great guest, Sean, from Math Teacher Movies on Instagram. And what we're going to do is break down the summer hits, and we're thinking about maybe doing this every quarter of the year. We'll see how this episode goes, but we're essentially going to break down the summer of film and kind of our feelings about it, how how's it been through the pandemic, and just overall our feelings throughout the year. So thank you, Sean, from Math Teacher's Movies on Instagram for joining us. Thank you so much. Thanks so much for having me. It's really great to be here. Yeah, man. We really loved your your content, and you've been a really – honestly, you've been a great supporter ever since we started. I don't, yeah. I don't know how you found us originally, but you've seemed like a really nice guy, and we're happy to have you as our first guest. Yeah, to tell you the truth, I don't remember how I found you either, but all of a sudden it was a worthy podcast, and it was like, what is this about? Oscar-worthy movie? Okay, I'm in. Let's do this. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad that it worked. And I loved how John was like, yeah, how this podcast episode turns out, we'll do other ones. So it's just relying on us to have to make this good, but maybe you specifically to make this good for us so that more people will listen every quarter of a year. I'm considering this quite the tryout for me. Oh, yeah. Uh, just to make sure, you know, to see if I'm quote unquote worthy. Exactly. This is more of a test for you than for us. Like, we're worthy. Exactly. But- yeah. Well, tell us, tell us a little bit about yourself and how you really got into film. How'd you start this Instagram account? Where did it all begin for you? Oh, boy. Well, uh, you know, I'll say that that will be a, it was a Best Picture winner um, that got me into movies. And that was uh, in 1997, Titanic. Um, wow. All of a sudden got me obsessed with movies and I got obsessed with looking around and like, you know, like seeing like imagining rooms with like half of the water level rising and stuff and like to be the ability to create those worlds and everything um and then i just said wow there's an awards for movies and like and then titanic wins them all i'm gonna follow these every year and then next year was shakespeare in love so then it got a little bit tricky for me (laughs) so then i realized that there's ups and downs uh, (laughs) it's a little bit tough um but uh, then, you know, so I've loved movies ever since. I keep track of the Oscars ever since, ever since like crazy. Um, and then a couple of years back, um, my uh, then girlfriend, now fiance, uh, like also uh, had an Instagram account um, for fitness and uh, like a, a special one for fitness there where she had like quite a lot of followers. And I asked her, I was like, you know what? I keep putting on social media all my opinions on movies. Um, what if I just did this on a separate Instagram account? And she was just like, oh my God, yes, do that immediately. And then it became, uh, in no uncertain terms, an obsession. And I wanted <laughs> to make sure I had the proper reviews in right. And I, I run it like quite a business and uh, all of this while being a math teacher, which uh, we were talking about it off air. It's just quite impossible. Uh, like I don't actually <laughs> know how I do every little part of it, but I managed to get movie watching, reviewing and math teaching in all at the same time. Yeah, the fact that you have a fiance too on top of it that we're just figuring out like that. God damn, props, man. That's that's impressive. And it makes me think that's about the... like, do you ever Sorry. watch a film and not review it or like show it on Instagram? Oh boy, um, no. Because even when I rewatch a movie, I'll do like a rewatch review. Um, <laughs> I suppose if I've ever like re- already reviewed a movie and then have rewatched it, that's when I don't review a movie. Um, mm. Or if I sleep through portions of the movie, like we just recently, for some reason, I can't remember why, watched Pearl Harbor and uh, I slept through portions of it. So that saved me from uh, (laughs) writing a review for that movie. 
Yeah, I don't know why you would watch that yeah. movie, I guess. <laughs> well, I'll go back to the fiancé angle on that one. <laughs> oh, okay. Gotcha. <laughs> yeah. So you said Titanic's your favorite, or was the movie that got you into liking movies? Is that still your favorite Best Picture winner, or do you have a different movie? Like, Especially now having seen so many. This is tough. Uh, favorite Best Picture winner. Um, you know, I mean, it's it's really tough for me to say so on that. I got to, like, really think about it. I don't want to go recency bias. Um, I mean, you go to Parasite, you go to Moonlight. Those are some amazing ones right there. Um, and uh, then, uh, oh, see, this is the problem. Is that I, right now I'm only thinking about the ones that lost that I love so much, like Network uh, and The right. Social Network. Uh, and those are the ones that just, like, I really loved those movies so much. Um the, the Academy does get it right, um, but sometimes the Academy does get it uh, wrong quite a bit. Um, yeah, you always but, do. Uh, what Oscar was it? What Oscars got wrong Wednesdays? Is that right? I, I always see that. I'm always like, I'm always fascinated to see. I'm like, okay, what what today does he think they got wrong? Because it, it kind of helps us. Because maybe it'll line up like what we're going to be discussing when we record or get to that movie. But I'm, I'm always interested to see uh, which ones you pick. Those are unfortunately the ones that do the best, uh, the posts that do the best on Instagram. Uh, and like, I, just, I get bummed because it's like always such a negative thing. And then again, it's just like, you know, sometimes I have fun with it. Like one time I said, Michael Caine should have gotten best supporting actor for Miss Congeniality. I wonder why that is though, that people love the negativity posts versus the like, Hey, like this, like this is why I should have won because I, I just like maybe creates more of a debate, but people love to just jump right to, like yeah, like fuck that, like, you know, it gets yeah. give that negative, you know, remarks about it. Well, I'd love to say like you know the the comment I always get every single post is just like Oscars haven't gotten anything wrong, and I'm like, well, that's not true, but just enjoy each <laughs> week. I'm having fun yeah. with this. <laughs> I don't know how you could say that. That's a crazy person right there. Yeah, yeah it's tough. Well, they, they you know those are the people that are kind of like one th- one bad thing happened to them, truly just one, and they're pissed <laughs> off about that one. So they're like, ah, nothing ever happened good. <laughs> Yeah, so I it also is hard to say like what the Oscars got wrong, or even what just like what audiences and critics get wrong because it's such a, an opinion opinionated you know medium and art form. So to be like, oh, you got it wrong. Well, it's like if you think that's wrong and I think it's right, then what which one's the right answer? And like we have that all the time when me and John are talking, and I think we're probably gonna run into that when, when we have this discussion today. Uh, you know, just because it's like it's such an opinion based uh, conversation to have about movies and. And film and uh so I, I do find it interesting that most people love when it's a negative reaction to something they all just want to jump on board for it i mean it, it, we we always want to draw to the negative unfortunately like we always find it difficult to be positive and uh especially like we we, we always like to crap on the oscars just because you know there's there it's often not the best film or the best performance it's the one that's the like sort of most popular at that time or that fits the narrative at that time like you know Nobody really freaked out too much over the King's speech winning, but we look back now and we're like, well, the social network was kind of this like modern masterpiece. And we're like, I, I use the M word. I never use the M word. Um, <laughs> That's weird. It, and yeah. it's just like, we look back and it's like, oh man, that one just kind of messed up. Like, ooh. Yeah. Or we look back on, you know, the classic example of Citizen Kane. And you know, the conclusion we came to is that, well, How Green Was My Valley is a pretty great movie. And actually, in some areas is a little bit better than citizen kane uh so it, it's always like that fun discussion because it, it, it things that don't just happen in a vacuum like there's so many factors that go into it but uh but yeah maybe when we get to the king's speech we'll be like hmm maybe that wasn't as worthy as we thought it was 
<laughs> notably uh through royalty um that's the one thing about yeah with citizen kane i mean that wasn't because citizen kane was a worse movie that was because william randolph hearst like you know like just bought all of the terrible press for citizen kane and therefore everyone thought it was a bad movie because right. they read that in the newspapers and you know I, if i was in 1941 i'd probably do the same thing i'm like well this newspaper said this movie's bad it must be bad even though i saw it and i thought it was great like there's no <laughs> way to really like you know shape that uh opinion other than those things so we look at and we see how could they have given it away like how could citizen kane not have won and i i do say that sometimes i do lose my sleep, I lose my sleep. <laughs> but it is it, it's it's because of the culture surrounding it which you guys really do a good job covering in the podcast it's just you know it's about like that culture surrounding it yeah well thank you thank you so much yeah. yeah we try to put a lot of time in and that's what we wanted to do here today just kind of a recap of the summer and what we're going to do first here is jump right into, we're only going to talk about the domestic summer box office, and we're going to jump into the top five, and as we go through each uh, box office a winner here, as we'll call them, we'll go go through the film, you know, talk about it, maybe share our feelings, whether we've seen it or not, we'll, whether we will see it or not. So we are going to start off, and just for some clarity, we're going through the summer box office from May and ending on Labor Day. That seemed like the best kind of ending point for the summer box office, so... Of course, it wouldn't be the summer box office without a Marvel film. <laughs> Here we have number one, Black Widow, at 182 million domestic. Obviously, it's a Walt Disney film released on July 9th. So, Sean, tell me your opinion. Tell me your thoughts on Black Widow. I'm surprised to see it at the top, considering it had the uh, $30, uh, you know, uh, oh, yeah. day of release. Um, but you know, some people would rather pay uh, the uh, only like you know $12.50 and then $700 for snacks uh, in order to uh, get into the theater. Um, so I guess that's what they were thinking in that situation. But uh, this was sort of a perfect time for Black Widow to come out. Uh, it was, you know, I believe. Oh, it says right there, uh, July 9th, and so it was kind of the uh, midsummer. Um, fun little story about this. This is where uh, we. Uh, met for the first time me and my podcast co-host um the guy at the movies podcast um guy at the movies on instagram as well um it's the first time we ever met like before that we just met online did a bunch of podcast episodes together and then uh he came to fairfield and uh you know he he um like we saw black widow together and i mean i like this movie i think that you know the the critique of unnecessary is often unfair because we're dealing with a movie movies with monsters and superheroes what's really necessary about any of this <laughs> um it's uh it's difficult like it, it, it's sandwiched in between everything so people would think like why would you want to see this we already know what's going to happen to her eventually but we what we saw instead was a fun action movie um and you know my theater was packed many theaters were packed so it was in, in general, I was I was happy to see this. It was okay. There was some definite flaws with it, without a doubt. Definitely, yeah. That's one of the challenging parts about Marvel films at this point. You know, I feel like in the past year, even we've seen such a kind of a, a backlash. People really kind of just loving to hate on them. I think it's just they've been so popular for so long. And on one hand, you know, our whole podcast worthy is about comparing films, Oscar winners against each other, whether they kind of fit in this worthy category of being Oscar worthy and. On one hand, it's like, yes, you should compare Marvel films to other Marvel films. You know, they're part of a cinematic universe. But I feel like people are just overly criticizing films within the universe and comparing them to each other too often. And I think what Marvel does so well is make a film that's different every time, or at least tries to make a film different every time. I think with Black Widow, you could see where it's kind of failing, at, that it's not new enough and not pushing the boundaries of genres or, or whatever they want to play with. But 
Yeah, I think people kind of overly rely on that. When I think if you just look at this film and you don't think about her entire legacy, you know, Judge Black Widow on the film Black Widow, I think people would have a much better reaction to it just as a film. Ben, what do you think about Black Widow? Yeah, I was, I didn't love it. Um, it was one of the Marvel movies that, yeah, I actually tried to do it, I think like last week where I would, I ranked all the Marvel movies um, just in my free time. And that was a movie that I, I had way down. Uh, yeah, there was just some things with the plot that I felt was pretty loose and wasn't really tying it up too well. Um, I actually saw, I was telling John before uh, we even jumped on today that I saw a tweet that was, um, I forget, I'm forgetting the Twitter account, but it was, fr- it was about the writer for Black Widow. And he said he only had 11 days. And my first thought was the first comment that I saw, which was explains a lot, <laughs> you know, that like, yeah, this, this script seemed pretty like, okay, we got to make a Black Widow movie. How do we do this? Like, how do we, and they just did everything they thought they could just jammed it in and it like works for parts, but then, you know, then you get into some parts uh, at the end where they have, you know, I guess spoilers for most people uh, if you haven't watched it, but like when she has to slam her head against it to get the um, the fer- with the pheromones like out, you know, so she wouldn't get, you know, so she's able to attack the bad guy. And it's like, well, why didn't you just do that 30 minutes ago when you first walked into the room or right before you walked? So it's like these little plot details that never really add up. And it's more just for like the dramatic effect, but that doesn't mean the dramatic effect necessarily works completely for it. I think Feige needs to have an order um, just like for all Marvel movies in the future. No more spaceships falling out of the sky. Or yeah. No more giant offices in the It's just happening all the time. <laughs> yeah. like we, we have the trilogy of giant space offices falling out of the sky, and I think we're done. Yeah, yeah. I think that sums up the film pretty well, too, uh, with the third act kind of really falling. Yeah. You know, no pun intended yeah. or pun intended. <laughs> yeah. I, it, it just kind of they build up so much for it to just kind of crumble in a kind of an unpleasant way yeah. especially with how much cgi was used in that finale and i don't have issues we'll get to shang chi and i love the finale of that film and that has a complete cgi kind of craziness at the end of that film as well but i just thought black widow was it was kind of ugly by the third act like some of the some of the cgi yeah. and the flying through the sky i was like this just feels so plastic and like action figures and not real human character well i think it's interesting you brought up shang chi was because the because that felt like a good refresh for marvel it's a new character it, it it's something different they're able to do they stylistically and uh from an art department's perspective it's so different whereas with black widow it feels so similar in the vein of like the captain america movies uh or iron man where you're like okay I, i've seen this before this has been done what, how many movies but like at least seven eight times alone outside of the avengers movies so i think like that's why maybe when you watch black widow you're like okay i get it can we do something different now yeah, which is why move Shang- on. Yeah. yeah exactly i mean honestly thank god though that uh shang chi is doing well because you know i look at you know the coming up it's shang chi then it's the eternals and with those two uh, there's, you know, predictions of rumblings of people saying, well, we don't know any of this. Why would we bother seeing this? It doesn't have a guy with the, you know, Captain America shield. I want to see that. <laughs> and, well, no uh, one knew who I Thor like, was when that came out, you yeah. know. I think Guardians yeah. is like the yeah, and Guardians. Example, yeah. 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 Right after that, it's going to be a ton of, I don't want to say rehashing because it's going to get nuts, of course, and we're going to talk about that. But, um, like, it's, it's still going to be characters that we're familiar with and that we've seen before. Like, these are the two that are going to be, okay, so how are these going to be incorporated? Are they going to be incorporated? Or are the Eternals just going to chill for another thousand years no matter what happens? <laughs> yeah, they might go back and hide <laughs> for another million years, whatever it is. 
All right, Sean, any other final thoughts on Black Widow before we move on? I think I'm good. Yeah, it's it's a good solid action movie. Um, and uh, you know, this is the one thing I'd say. It's and this is this word is used like only for Marvel exclusively for some reason. But it's like, oh, it's mid tier Marvel, and that means good movie. <laughs> that yeah, still means good yeah. solid movie. <laughs> like, all right, moving on to number two, we have Universal Pictures, their baby franchise. Oh, not baby. They have another baby franchise, but it is their baby, which is Fast Nine, the Fast and Furious film. Coming in at 172 million, came out in June 25th. Sean, take it away. What do you think? I, I the, the the Fast and the Furious franchise is one of the uh, greatest franchises in movie history, and I don't mean by the quality of movies because obviously the quality of movies is poor. But these movies survived everything, including cross cultural changes, leads leaving, leads unfortunately and tragically dying, and handling that with a great deal of respect. Um, and like the the two leads at the center then feuding and having to be in different <laughs> movies that are spinoffs of each other. This franchise is like just absolutely uh, bonkers at this point and yet they still bring in the money now this is fascinating because I don't like these movies um, I <laughs> respect what the franchise does um, and I w- like and then everyone was saying how F9 is going to be terrible so I, was, I went to see it and I was like well, guys, I kind of like this. <laughs> it, was, <laughs> like, it was it was fairly bad, obviously, from a like movie, like looking at it at a movie standpoint. But to be honest, there was a uh, silliness to it that encapsulated the entertainment, and um, that sort of like you know blew me away on that part. You know, obviously, plenty of flaws. John Cena is a very gifted comedian <laughs> and needs to stay as a very gifted comedian, and like playing yeah. it straight oh, is yeah. just not his thing. No. Hell yes. No, it's so true. I mean, I don't think Ben and I, neither of us have seen this. We're not huge uh, Fast and Furious fans. Yeah. So we're not going to have too much to say, but yeah, I do love John Cena. I'm, I'm a big wrestling fan. I actually just saw him at uh, Madison Square Garden, personally. Nice. You know, we're best friends. Um, <laughs> yeah, no, it's, how should I see a guy you can't see? <laughs> yeah, I actually didn't see go. him, but I heard he was there at MSG. <laughs> um, but yeah, I thought it was pretty fascinating because this film comes out and it's getting kind of shredded and... And it's getting kind of torn apart by people that are fans of the franchise saying that it's too ridiculous. There's not enough like actual like logistics to what's happening. But like when has there ever been logistics to anything that's happening? Like this is a franchise this built off the of one that stealing. loses you. Like, yeah, yeah, exactly. There's exactly. been nine of these. And it's weird. It's you know, fans they clamor online over and over, like we want certain things from these franchise. We want them to go to space and it's like a big meme. It's been happening for like years, people talking about Fast and Furious going to space. And from what I've seen in the trailer, it looks like they kind of are doing that in this film, at least somewhat, you know, not not like in the stars, interstellar style, but they're at least kind of giving what the fan base wanted. So it was kind of surprising to me that people were just so hateful on this film. Uh, they, uh, I'm just going to issue the spoiler, skip 30. Uh, they go to space and they <laughs> crash the car through a satellite. Um, See, that's in sick. To- like, come on. How, would, how are people upset by like, the loss of logic at this point it's like how many villains how many brothers and sisters can there be like what how are you not yeah, there's already no lost? logic in yeah. these movies that's why like they get made and that's why it's entertaining for a lot of people like i we have a friend who loves like just action movies that's all he ever wants to watch if it doesn't have action he's probably not gonna watch it and and some people really just want that in their when they see a movie they just really want to be entertained just by like that factor of like explosions you know shooting a car into space through a satellite like that's what they want and that's what they uh, need to enjoy something so I get it 
uh, like why it, why it gained so much in the box office, but also why there's a big backlash because it's maybe from a story standpoint they felt like it wasn't fulfilling like what the rest of the franchise was was doing. And also, part of me is like, man, I can't believe they made nine of these, but I'm also like, they also made nine Star Wars movies, so it's like there's going to be a ton of this, you know, franchise. The franchise is just going to be blown up so much, especially now. Well, they said they'd stop at, uh, you know, uh, excuse me, wait, they said they'd stop at ten, but ten is going to be two parts because the story is going to be really complicated, and so they have to Jurassic make a. Uh, Where did know, the two part from... thing start? Like, was that with Harry Potter movies? <laughs> that was like a two part thing because everything's a two parter now. Well, I mean, they split the story of the Hobbit, which is basically a paperback, into three <laughs> movies. I don't know when that happened, though. Oh, don't <laughs> get don't get this man started on anything. <laughs> yeah, so I, I have to I'm reel so it in. For it. <laughs> well, it's originally supposed to be two. They had a lot of source material to work with. <laughs> I tell you what, though, if Fast and Furious actually crosses over with Jurassic Park, I am so in. I will make a podcast dedicated to the Fast franchise. If we have dinosaurs coming in in the tenth movie. Where it's like Jurassic World three is a tie in to Fast and Furious, like come on, it's right there. You won't, you won't have to make a special podcast because that will be what wins Best Picture that year. <laughs> exactly, exactly. So you'll eventually get to it. You'll be good. Yeah. <laughs> Remember that? That was a thing too with Fast Seven, where people were like, "This should be Oscar nominated," because it was the last Paul. <laughs> yeah, because well, right? people thought that was the last one in the whole franchise as well. Oh. Yeah, and that's <laughs> when the whole right. like popular movie thing came up as well. So. Um, it, I mean, it's, it is, it's fascinating. It is criminal. It didn't get best original song. That is that is on my list of what the Oscars got <laughs> wrong. Like that one actually. Like because every time that song plays, I start to cry. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. All right, moving on to number three, we have Paramount Pictures' A Quiet Place Part Two came out in May twenty eighth with one hundred and sixty million domestic. So, Sean, lead it away. What do you think of A Quiet Place Part Two? This was Memorial Day weekend. Uh, Vaxes were in the air. Um, This was like pretty much everyone was sort of ready. Um, They were going into the uh, theater. This was a moment that was big because, you know, I'm looking at our uh, five here and, you know, two of them are pay uh, the day of and the other three are, you know, Universal or Paramount. And so, you know, those are have like a 45 day, probably a 45 day window, something like that. Um, and so I look at all that and I say, okay, so, you know, those were the ones we were forced to see in the theaters. But at that time we wanted to just go to the theaters and we could, like, it was very safe. I think like, I didn't even have to wear, you know, a mask like throughout the theater. And, um, so at this point, this was sort of like the celebration. And this is also the moment where I think about a quiet place part two lower on here is the conjuring the devil made me do it, which is available on HBO max the same day. But everyone went to see that in the theater because it was a scary movie. Scary movies are meant to be seen in the theaters. They're not meant to be seen at home unless it's malignant where I could pause it a few times to go and throw up. And so in this case, what I look at is uh, Quiet Place Part Two. First of all, now the actual quality of the movie, it's, it's great. It's a good, solid sequel. Um, everyone's like, it's not as good as the first. Like, I don't care. It's a sequel. Like, okay, cool. Godfather Part Two, Aliens, Terminator 2. Other than that, like the sequels are going to be lesser, <laughs> but still a wider span, a little bit more fun. And that's what happened here. I, I, I really liked this movie. It still kept the same concepts going. Ben, what do you think? Oh, well, you know my thoughts on A Quiet Place. I, I, I don't like the first A Quiet Place, so I, I didn't see part two. Um, I don't know. Just I just wasn't well, super. Tell us why I didn't like the original. I just wasn't super into it, and I felt that. 
don't know. I, I got the, I guess I got the gimmick kind of right away that it's like a mostly silent movie and the creatures, you know, they come out when they hear a noise. So maybe it's just my own preference, but I wasn't, I just wasn't as in love with it as everyone else was. So maybe that's why I just didn't want to go see. And also because it's the, pan- I think that's the other thing with, with these movies and it being the pandemic and when they came out was like, not everyone felt comfortable going. Like I didn't feel comfortable going yeah. to the movies, you know, pretty early on. Like now I, I do. Uh, but I, I think that's a factor in like why maybe I didn't see some of these movies. Uh, but definitely like for a quiet place part two, uh, was one of those where I'm like, I'm okay. Not seeing this in theaters. It is it's on Paramount plus, right? So it just got on there. Yeah. 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 Or not yeah. just got, but it's been on there. Yeah. yeah. So maybe after this discussion, I'll watch it. I mean, I've heard, I've heard it's a good movie. I'm sure. I'm sure it's a good movie, but maybe for me, it's just not for me, I guess. I, I mean, if you didn't like the first movie, you're definitely not going yeah, like yeah, to like for sure. Well. Okay. I'll, I'll give it to you, Ben, though. Like, it, it, it is a horror movie cheat. Oh, it's like monsters that, you know, like, like if they hear something, it's there. So they have to be quiet the whole time. So the moment you like drop a book, like you will pee yourself. And yeah. it's just, it's a, it's a, it's, it's I, I don't want to say the word gimmick, but it is a, like a good solid, like, you know, setting that like, they're just like, oh, we can do a billion things with this. Cause we just keep doing sounds and people just keep getting scared. And yeah, yeah. I mean, I'll take it. It's cheap, but I'm, I'm, I'm buying that candy bar. Sure. Yeah. I think yeah. I'm just more impressed that John Krasinski has become this, you know director who's he has a lot of uh i guess clout you know he has a lot of like power now in the industry so i'm actually interested to see more what he's going to make is he going to stay in the horror movie realm maybe but uh he's definitely a good director i'll give him that like he's definitely good at what he does but i just don't think the movie uh as i don't know what to say like as like as just a movie i just didn't really work for me i guess it's just what i'm trying to get to that's fine i mean i think you could totally look at it as being a gimmick but for me it was I was just kind of shocked that this hadn't been a film or a story yet. Like the fact that you, we haven't seen a film that's just like about silence and monsters only being able to hear and they're blind. Like I was just surprised. Maybe I just haven't heard of uh, some foreign like Japanese horror film that I haven't seen that has the same similar plot as us Americans always steal from uh, foreign films. But yeah, I really like this film. I think it's really similar to the first. I think the reason why I love it is kind of the reason why I also have some negative thoughts on it which is essentially how fast paced it is i love how quick it is like we're pick up right where the first movie left it's really cool i think by the time we get a third film in this series you could just watch them back to back to back and it'll feel like this really complete trilogy which i'm really excited for and i know they'll make a third one but for me that's kind of where i had issues it felt really kind of compact in its story it's really about um, the son and daughter throughout the film and like them kind of becoming uh, into their own and growing into the, to themselves and kind of maturing, which I found like really sweet and endearing and it's really compact and it's really just focused on their stories. But then when we get to the kind of climax and the end of the film, it was one of those moments in theaters where it ended and I'm like, wow, like that's that's the end. Like, really? Like, we're going to stop the movie right there. OK, like I feel like we could have tacked on like 10 more minutes of like a couple more scenes to just like settle everything but no they were going to go out in a bang which i think is kind of similar to the first film you know like let audience really want more and i think by the time we get a third film maybe ben if you watch it all together all three films that might change your opinion but yeah i don't think you're gonna love the second one if you haven't seen the first or you didn't like the first yeah i i it's funny you brought up the trope of like the uh you know where it's just quiet and then you're waiting for the the monster to jump out because that's in so many horror movies where just gotta stay quiet, stay quiet, and then you make one noise, and then that's what sets off the monster getting you. So maybe that I think that maybe that's why I felt so 
like uh oh like big deal like this movie does that because the whole movie and uh i don't know i i guess i'm just too sour on it i mean i'm not a I'm a very negative person, I think, towards some movies that are coming out nowadays. So, well, horror is also not your factor. your bag. It's not your your main shtick that you like, right? For the most part, I like horror. I just don't think I like that. I don't know. It's just not the horror that worked for me. That's fair. That's yeah. fair. Sean, do you have any other closing thoughts on A Quiet Place too? Um, nothing I could think of off the top of my head. I just love that John Krasinski, like you know, storms up with like A Quiet Place and the uh, the big hot director and everything like that. It's like, whoa, what are you gonna do next? He's like, all right, hear me out. <laughs> a quiet place part two <laughs> give him the money give him the money let's go it's like this guy doesn't do anything in between which you know i respect it he's gonna go with what he's got but man yeah very, very has, shocking he has directed a film or two i think before but they're kind of pretty subpar comedies from what i've heard not not really anything like a quiet place so it's it's interesting i think he'll probably stay in the horror route just because he's done so well and we'll see i know he had that like youtube kind of good news show or whatever it was called that he also then sold yeah so some he's news. rolling in money he, he he could make his own film with his own bank account i'm sure yeah he uh directed a movie called the hollers and brief interviews with hideous men are the two films he directed before and the executive produced manchester by the sea which i did not know yeah boston interesting boy. yeah 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 but there we go all the boston accents going yeah there. exactly yeah <laughs> boston <laughs> all right moving on to number four we have Jungle Cruise, starring The Rock from Walt Disney Pictures. This came out both on Disney Plus, day and day release on July 30th, as well as in theaters. Its total right now at Labor Day is $105 million. So we have the conversation of the day and day release, which we'll definitely get to um, a little bit more as well. But tell me your thoughts, Sean, on Jungle Cruise. What do you think of the film? Boy, this was a tough one. Um, this was <laughs> like, I wanted to love this one, and there's so many aspects of it that I can love. Uh, it's a really cool adventure story where they did really awesome, like, uh, like they, they, they once again had a fun time, like, you know, adapting a very, like, essentially mediocre Disney ride. And I, I loved that. But then they just got way, way too complicated. And it's one of those things where it's, sure, I can buy fantasy things. I love fantasy things. I'll even do CGI monsters. Fine. It's like watching <laughs> animation. I can bear it. But, like, when there's just, like, you know, the pedal has to go into the rock and the rock is inside the pedal and the rock goes inside the rock there. And then you have to go to the tree, which is only going to be good for two seconds while the moon is the, over the crescent, the other crescent of the moon. And then I'm just like, okay, you know, <laughs> I, I need a thesaurus for this. That's not the right thing I need, but that's I'll, I'll use that. But <laughs> like it was it was overly complicated, unfortunately and uh could have if they just simplified it a little bit this could have been a fun adventure movie which at parts it was it's weirdly complicated right for a film that's <laughs> a family film and it's kind of aimed towards children in a way like i i i could definitely see this being like a fun time you sitting down you have like a house full of kids and you just want them to shut up and stare at like this like disgusting looking villains and really this film is like really ugly i think to look at Mm -hmm. which is a shame because you know it takes place in like the amazon with this beautiful jungle but everything is so like plastic and fake again like similar to some of the cgi and black widow we just get so much of it and to think about the same studio we're coming up on pirates of the caribbean almost 
you know, 2003. It's almost 20 years old. And that CGI holds up so well. And I just don't. <laughs> so good. I don't get where the disconnection was for this film. I don't know if it was a budget. The Rock's. The the Rock's budget is probably half of the film's budget. You know, I don't I don't know I, what it was. I think it's a pandemic thing, and I I've noticed that a lot in some recent movies, and to an extent, a little bit in Shang Chi, where it's like, are these companies being like, okay, like we had to, f- not, we had several months where we couldn't even work on this stuff, so do we just delay it even more, or do we just rush it out and just say, here we go, like this will work? I think that might be a part of it, and I, you know. I don't know if you guys feel the same way where the pandemic had that kind of effect on uh, at least special effects writing. I definitely noticed. I've noticed that more in TV shows where the writing dips a little bit. And I think it's because of the pandemic. Yeah. We're, we're about to head into this moment where there's going to be this gigantic gap. And it's one of those things where there was a lot of shooting during the pandemic. Thankfully there was a lot of writing during the pandemic, but it's not really going to connect in the proper ways. And that's going to be something that we're going to feel for, you know, the next year or two, I think more about TV, but also it will be the case with uh, movies. I mean, I am, I've never been more excited for a show ever than season three of succession. I don't know <laughs> what that's going to be like. It's yeah. like, cause they, like, it, I think the entire time Brian Cox is going to be like in a glass jar, like you know, just making <laughs> sure they're keeping him safe. <laughs> it's just one of those things where I hope it goes well. Um, but uh, you know, it's, it, yeah, it's tricky. You're right. The, the pandemic is affecting the definitely movie making, definitely movie writing and the same thing with TV, I think. For, yeah. for sure. Yeah. I definitely could see how that would be in line. I mean, I've said it already in in the short time that we've been recording, but I love wrestling, so I love like like the Rock's personality <laughs> in the ring, and I do love some of his performances and his kind of shtick he has going on. Even Jumanji, I really I think those uh, most recent two films are like really enjoyable, really fun, and they're they're jam packed with action and CGI. But there was something about this that just felt so off and just like not right. Like, and it wasn't their chemistry between him and Emily well, Blunt. Yeah. I'm going to ask that because uh, this is the big thing I have with it because I like D- Dwayne Johnson. I think he's charismatic. I think he's like very, very like, you know, like lovable and like that kind of thing. And yet he has been kept asexual in most of his movies. And after watching Jungle Cruise, he probably should be. And <laughs> yeah. I don't know if this is one of those situations where it's kind of like in the 90s when we saw Arnold Schwarzenegger make out with someone. Were we just like, that doesn't work. Oh, <laughs> like human that that's whoa. not what like <laughs> whoa how dare you true romance is one of the best action films of all time well true lies uh, true lies but... yeah sorry not true romance thank you thank Served you Served your right back yeah, yeah thank exactly. you you got my ass on Dude. that one i knew as soon as it came out of my mouth i'm like that's not right true no it's not but now right. i just want arnold schwarzenegger in true romance yeah exactly just replace those I two like actors comic books. <laughs> Well, it's funny you bring up the sexuality part. I don't know if you've ever seen the show Ballers on HBO with uh, Dwayne The Rock Johnson. He uh, he has a lot of sex in that show. Uh, you know, it's HBO, so they, they show it. And it always seemed a little awkward to me. He's a, he's a big dude. And that's why it's well, awkward. It's just, like, it, it's just awkward because he's like, he's fucking huge. And you're, and you're and you're watching, you're like, that just, it just doesn't, you're looking at the rock <laughs> doing, doing something that you haven't seen before. And you're like that. Yeah, it doesn't work. So it's funny that you brought that up because that immediately clicked in my head. I'm like ballers. You know, he, he had sex in that show and that was weird. I will give it to him. He has, and I love that we're going out a tangent of the rock love scenes, but um, he has a no, great love scene in walking tall. Uh, 
<laughs> great movie. <laughs> but but really honestly, that's movie. it's really funny you say that because that is one of the last films that I remember him having like an <laughs> actual romantic lead. And and I don't know what it is. The past ten years, he's he's really been asexual, especially in film. Like I haven't seen any of Ballers, but I know he's supposed to be like a playboy in that, right? But yeah, there's something about and it's definitely specific. I, I don't know what it is. See, and now that's why I would want him to do to step out of that box out of the action box and just be like hey let me do a drama role or 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 like a romantic lead role i think he act, i think he's actually a really good actor it's same thing like we talked about john cena before like they're both really good actors and i, I think that comes from the trade of just wrestling in general so i would be interested to see uh the rock do something a little different than just an action movie Someone pitched him to host the Oscars, and I can't get that out of my head because I now want that to happen. <laughs> yeah, he it would be great. He would be, he, he would be amazing. Yeah, he would he be would awesome. Be. And also the other thing with Jungle Cruise uh, doing a little Wikipedia research. So they had a link at the top that was like, this is one of the most expensive movies ever made. And I clicked on it. It's not. I mean, it's up there. I mean, it's pretty expensive, a $200 million budget. But the most expensive, supposedly, was another Disney ride, Pirates of the Caribbean on Stranger Tides. $379 million yeah. budget. Yeah, absurd. That's insane. That's really bad. <laughs> that's, that's really bad. I mean, it made a billion, though. It made a billion at the box office. Yeah, I mean, those movies were out Oh, it made it back, but I just don't like someone that much being spent on a movie. I can't. Like, it's you know, a lot. Avatar is less. <laughs> yeah, it's absurd. It, yeah. it really is absurd. And I think we could really talk about The Rock all day and about <laughs> his weird asexuality in films, which honestly I'm so fascinated by. And I'm so glad you said that because I've totally noticed that. And my l- final thoughts on Jungle Cruise is I did find the romance kind of weird. And I don't even know if I'm blaming him for it. It's definitely not Emily Blunt. She's amazing and literally everything I've ever seen her in. But and he's pretty great in everything I've, I've basically seen him in. It just felt like the movie was forcing that. And it was like, as soon as those two characters meet within the first 15 minutes, you're like, oh, this is going to be like a will they, won't they. And we know that by the end of this movie, they're going to be. And it just felt trite and like we've seen it already. And it just felt really forced in a way that I just didn't think worked naturally in the film. Going back to sexuality for a second, I just want to like pull this out there. Um, will there ever be a Disney movie where they have a gay character actually say the words "I'm gay"? I'm gay. Or are they gonna just hint, oh. hint, hint? <laughs> oh man, that is that is a, such a huge topic in question. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, like I, I don't get me wrong. I think they did it very well in this. Actually, I truly do. Uh, the brother, I think that was a very like well done way to do it in a way that like does. Like, I'll just say, it doesn't upset China. Like it's just yeah, like exactly. you know, the, and fine. Like they 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 worked the system and they still have a compelling character and they're still doing something great. But it does like kind of bother me every single time I hear in the future. It's like this Disney movie will have the first gay character. This Disney movie will have the first gay character. This and then. It just turns into, like, nothing. Nothing, yeah. And you could even say that there's kind of some stereotypes in the way they kind of portray him. I feel like this movie, not just with the way he's portrayed in the film, I forget the actor's name, but the way he's portrayed, but I think the whole film, honestly, will just age poorly. And I think people will look back at it like, oof, that was that was a weird time, not only in film, because it's day-and-date release, but also it's just a little mess of a movie, I think. Yeah. <laughs> All right, moving on. Number five. So topping off, t- ending our top five, we have Free Guy, which is our fifth winner here at $91 million. This came out in August 13th, and this is a 20th Century Studios picture. Sean, what do you think of Free Guy? Did you check it out, the Ryan Reynolds flick? 
God bless this movie. Like, the, <laughs> like this is like kind of like it's weird to say this is the little movie that could, but it really does feel like that. This sort of got its box office like it got to that fifth spot like by word of mouth. Because guess what? Those trailers didn't do it any favors. Nope. Like because those trailers made them confuse like made this movie look confusing and muddled. And I said to Awful. myself, I don't want to see this. And then I just said, okay, you know what? A lot of people are saying it's good. I'm going in there. Um, I, you know, I, I loved this movie. I thought it was a lot of fun. Um, I, you know, there's people that are arguing about the end where like there's several different, uh, you know, things that Ryan Reynolds pulls out of his goodie bag during the final fight. Sure. Um, I think it's truly hysterical, but I understand people wanting to do the criticisms of, okay, we're being self-referential in a movie that claims to want to be original. I well, think we can find a middle ground there, but... Yeah, I have a lot of thoughts on that because it was yeah. pretty shocking to me when that moment happened. Ben, I don't think you've seen it. so I, I haven't seen it. I won't spoil what, what we happened. We won't do anything, yeah. But I found it quite shocking because up until that point, it felt very original. You know, it's about video games in a way that's kind of like spoofing and it's playing on just the genre and, and the medium of video games really well. But yeah, it's it's not over-referencing all these different uh, mediums, not even games or films. So when you get to that point where you have some like outside references, I thought it was it was funny. It honestly surprised me so much that I like didn't expect it to come to that point that I found it kind of like refreshing and enjoyable. But yeah, this was a film that I probably have seen the trailer more than any other trailer in the past like two years. And I was like, I couldn't stand it. As soon as I heard that music come on, like I immediately knew the film and I wanted to just bang my head into the seat in front of me. So yeah, I mean, as someone who hasn't seen it yet, but I do want to go see it just because it has gotten great reviews and hearing you guys talk about it. I felt the same way watching the trailer where I'm like, this just seems like, uh, you know, their attempt at doing a Ready Player One, let's just get, you know, that type of movie out. How fast can we do this? Who's the biggest star of Ryan Reynolds type of thing? But from hearing about it and, and learning a little bit more, it, it seems like it's it's it exceeds expectations. So uh, I would actually like to see the longevity of it and, and how it does. Uh, I guess there has to be a sequel, I'm assuming, that they're going to make for it. Mm-hmm. Oh, God, yeah. <laughs> okay, um, yeah. I mean, so, yeah, I, so I'm, I'm definitely going to be I definitely want to go see it again. It was like one of those movies at the time where I was just like, I don't know, going to the movies pandemic, which I think is a fair thing. Just it's such a weird time. It's such a weird time for movies where you're not going to see all the movies, but you're going to go see movies that you do want to see. And so you can make the time to go see it. But this is a movie that, yeah, because of the trailer, I was like, eh, I don't want to see it. But now I'm like, okay, I should go figure out a way to go see this movie. I mean, it's it's gonna come pretty close to getting uh, released. This is our uh, twentieth century, not twentieth century, twentieth century pictures. Um, this will be pretty close. To, like that's probably a forty-five day. So you're getting pretty close to being able to see it on TV, yeah, probably. Yeah, definitely. Which um, like, it's like a, a frustrating thing as well because I would love to go to the movies, but it's so convenient just to go right out onto my couch and just find a movie and just wait for it. Then, which it gives me more time to watch other movies that I really want to watch to go back in time. But then. I don't get the same experience like going to the movies. Like I went the other day to go see a movie and I was just so happy just, just to be there. It felt good. Uh, you know, I'm willing to spend all the money to, to go just cause I have that experience. I get out of my, out of my place. I'm not just sitting on my couch watching it. It's like, a, it is a different experience, but it is also so convenient now to just sit in your living room and just wait a month, a little over a month just to go see that movie that you want to see. That yeah. does kind of suck. You're right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Coming off of Jungle Cruise, which we just spoke about, and how much I really hated the CGI, I was kind of blown away by the CGI in Free Guy. You know, judging from the trailers, I'm like, oh, God, this is going to be just 
just a mess of so much things going on on the screen and when they first this isn't really a spoiler but when they first show you what the game looks like like in the actual world in actual reality <clears throat> and that it looks like what we would expect from like a gta or something like it looked like a game with really good graphics but when they actually portray that world in the film and it's all used with cgi and you like can't really tell what's real what's fake but it still kind of looks like a game i'm like this is amazing like how did they do this like it really blew me away by the just the world building and it's a weird mashup of like the lego movie mixed with like ready player one and it it just really works i was cracking up the whole film i like really just couldn't believe it i just thought this movie was going to be absolutely awful but it, it really surprised me um, the Oscars are, you know, essentially pretty boring where they like, you know, parcel out the nominees to the same bunch of films and everything like that. And, you know, m- most of those nominees do deserve it. Um, I would love to see like something like, you know, if they got a little bit more fun with it and something like Free Guy would get a production design nomination um, or maybe even a visual effects because there's not going to well, there's going to be a few visual effects like movies happening. But the production design in this is like kind of flawed like his room in there where it's just like you know like there's just boxes of cereal because that's all he eats in the morning yeah, <laughs> it's yeah. like it's it's kind of this wonderful like you know like it, it puts you right where you were saying it's in that mood so mm. i would hope for that and i just gotta give a shout out to ryan reynolds as well um i always think i'm about to get sick of him <laughs> and then he just has this natural talent this natural ability where he just nails it once again and I can't understand how he keeps on doing that because I like, you know, I want to like, I'm going to maybe I'll hate the next Deadpool. Maybe I'll hate this next film he's in because he's just this like, you know, funny, pompous guy. Nope. He nails it again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, he, it was really perfect casting, I think, for this role. He, he kind of perfectly fit into it. I think as someone who like really loves video games and has, has loved it since I was a kid, I, I really was just so happy to see a film that. At the same time, it like really tries to welcome people that don't know that much about video games. Like you have a character directly like NPC, yeah, non-playable character, and it's like he's clearly talking to us in the audience or like your mom in the audience yeah. who has no idea what an NPC is. And I felt like it it leaned into that enough where it's just it's not too much that it, it, someone who loves it a lot like it wasn't like oh my god like rolling my eyes to the back of my head. It, it did it just enough to. You know, set the mood, have people understand what's going on, and then just really play with it. Like, have just a fun time in this world. Have Taika Waititi play this crazy, like, lunatic game designer. And, like, none of it made any sense. None of it was realistic. But who fucking cares? That's what movies are for. You want to get lost in a world and, and have fun with these characters. And I think that's exactly what Free Guy was. Yeah, and actually jumping off that Oscar bit right there. So Ready Player One was nominated for Best Visual Effects, so... There's definitely a pathway for a film like this to yeah, be nominated. Uh, yeah, I mean, it lost to First Man. So. Oh, my God damn. Yeah, I mean, that, I, I just but, forgot First Man exists and yeah. like, it didn't get any Oscars except for that. Oh, yeah. that score, too. Yeah, Ooh. that was a great movie. But, I, but I'm also trying to think of like what other movies this year are going to be best visual effects. And the first one that came to mind, I was like, without even seeing it, Dune has to be up there, right? Yeah. Matrix as well. Yeah, for ma- sure. Yeah. I think Shang Chi they'll throw in that Marvel yeah. Marvel picture. Oof, that'll be a, <laughs> that'd be a tough <laughs> sit, but yeah. right. But then, but then what, what I was saying earlier about like how I it seems like visual effects has gone down a little bit, which could be because uh-huh. of the pandemic. So I wonder how that is going to impact everything. You know, when it when they do decide and when they vote on it. Um, but I, Free Guy, I'm, it probably has a better chance than you think to be nominated. Yeah. 
Yeah, it is true. Like, I didn't look at the official, like, you know, full-blown release date. Uh, it's funny, though, when you uh, think about uh, the Oscars. Sometimes it is, especially in the technical categories. It's not really best visual effects, but most visual effects. So, oh, Shang-Chi yeah. might be in there. <laughs> like, you know, I think, like, Free Guy will be in there. Matrix will be in there. Dune, Dune will be tricky, because I think Dune will have the most, like, practical-looking. And so, some people might be like, oh, I didn't see any. And so, they'll... But I think that'll also be there. <laughs> yeah, no, I think that definitely will be yeah, in there. I think when that big sandworm oh, yeah. comes out, <laughs> that be like, yeah. I be forgot awesome. that wasn't practical. <laughs> it's a miniature. It's a miniature model. They hired a sandworm to do it. <laughs> God. All oh, right. Boy. Any final thoughts on Free Guy, Ben or Sean? No, I I, I, I want to go yeah. see it. Uh, I I definitely want to go see it. Just haven't haven't had the time to go see it yet. And the rest of the the top ten list, I think, is also. Just to like name them, it's Cruella, then it goes Shang-Chi, and this is at the time up to Labor Day, as John said at the beginning. Uh, number eight, you had Space Jam 2, then The Conjuring at nine, then The Boss Baby Family Business, which is Sean's favorite movie from what he was telling us. <laughs> <laughs> number 10. That's why I set off Mike, apparently. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. you said you had some things to say about it. <laughs> I didn't know oh, if that no, was I actually... Quite didn't. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that, was the, that, that was the sharpest form of sarcasm. <laughs> gotcha. Gotcha. When, when I meet new people, I get nervous. <laughs> <laughs> Same here. <laughs> All right, I think that's a perfect wrap on the box office overall. What we're now going to do is jump into some of just the big stories of the summer and, and really just give our thoughts about it, discuss it. And I think there's no better way to start with Sean and just talking about your experience with going to films during the pandemic. Um, you know, how was it to, to get there, to sit down and, you know, wear a mask in the beginning? I know when I first started going, it was mask on throughout the entire film, and now it's kind of loosened up where, you know, as long as you're eating or sitting you can remove your mask. So tell me, Sean, how was your experience so far? How is it today? And how's it changed so far? So the first movie uh, during the pandemic that uh, I went to see is uh, I was getting frustrated by uh, focus features and it was like, you know, before the Oscars were starting and the nominations came out and I was like, all right, you know what? I'm going to see the father. And so, uh, <laughs> wow, you know, okay. Yeah. Not so this expected. was like in February. <laughs> like, um, I have to mention, I am in uh, Connecticut. It's, uh, I'm very lucky to live where I am. Uh, everything is like, you know, has been safe as hell. Um, you know, like there was a lot of cooperation. And so the, it was one of those things where the theaters maybe be closed for like you know the time of the really really bad part of the pandemic but they opened a lot soon like a lot of much before uh i went to the theater <laughs> yeah. which is not the wording i wanted to choose but i got tongue-tied um and uh so finally like that's when i got double vaxxed and so i said you know what um i'm, I'm going i'm going for this one and uh it was uh, completely like it looked like it was abandoned. Uh, no one was at any front gate. I could have just walked into any theater I wanted to. <laughs> it's yep. kind of insane. Um, and then uh, I, I saw like I walked by and I saw the uh, coming soon movie posters, which were movies that were coming soon, like Luca and, you know, like A Quiet Place Part Two. And then I started to cry in the lobby of the theater <laughs> where no one was. Um, but don't worry, because I was going to see the emotionally stable The Father. Yeah, so, exactly. So, <laughs> I, I laughed and laughed. Uh, so um, <laughs> after so you, that, though, uh, oh, go for it. I was just going to say, so you were crying because you were just so overwhelmed by finally being back in the theater? It was like I was overwhelmed by the fact that there's going to be a future in movies. Mm -hmm. And it was just one of these things where it's like, we're going to pull out of this. Like, we're, like there's movies coming up. We're going to see these movies. I mean, the cruel twist is I saw Luca at home, yeah. but you know, it's just like, 
it was uh, one of those, um, you know, that, that was like the aspect there. And so then I just started watching them at that theater. Then a few more theaters began to open up. And so I uh, like, you know, started watching quite a few movies. And then just like you said, it was at first like mask on whole time. Then it was like, you know, you're sitting down or you're eating popcorn or something like that. You're good. Then, you know, for a while in the summer, it was, you know, no mask at all. Hey, we're good. Mm-hmm. And uh, then, you know, now I, you know, throw the mask on or I go by the cashier rule. Cashier has the mask on. I put the mask on. Yeah, that's my, yeah. like, that's my social norm rule. Um, but I mean, at this point, like for me, I've, I've, it's, it's at this, I, I feel safe. Um, you know, I feel safe with the vaccination, and the mask, and I'm, I'm just going to go keep going. And I, I feel safe also because unfortunately with the Delta variant, other people don't feel safe and therefore the theaters aren't that crowded and they're like, it's kind of the <laughs> safest place to be as in a theater. Yeah. <laughs> and so that's, that's where, that's where I'm sitting with it. And I understand other people definitely like not feeling safe. It, it's a tricky thing. It's like, do you want to go into this room for two hours to watch a movie uh, that, you know, sometimes is available on HBO max, like, you know, breathing in their air. It's, 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 it's a tough sell at times, uh, but uh, hopefully, you know, we'll, get through this and we'll all just be rocking the theaters next summer hell yeah ben tell me about your experience (laughs) yeah uh yeah i definitely held off going for a long time i was i don't know what i was feeling i just felt like maybe not now maybe not now is the best time to go you know just trying to be as safe as possible and uh, i'm happy i've gone you know now i've gone uh, a few times I don't think as much as you guys have been going but i i've definitely been going i was just there i went to two movies this week actually and um, I enjoy it. You know, I actually feel safer now. You know, me and John being in New York City, the mandate now is that you have to show proof of vaccine. So I feel comfortable going to the theater and, you know, taking off the mask and shoving popcorn down my throat. Uh, you know, I and but for me also, I definitely it ha- maybe the big theme for the summer has been like there just hasn't been too many things that I have been excited for and that I've really wanted to go see, but there are things coming up that I'm very excited to go see. So I'm definitely going to, I'm planning on going to the movies more and more, especially as October rolls around. There's so many great movies that I am excited for. So it is coming back. And I think maybe I'm feeling how you felt Sean, when you first started going, which is like, now that I'm going back, I'm feeling way more connected to the movies, to people in the community to you know to the whole experience because i have been sort of bludgeoned over the head with that i'm just sitting at home watching movies sit there like literally just like watching my ipad so many movies because it's so convenient just to do it that way but i do i i appreciate it more even now just because i'm going back and uh and i'm enjoying it a lot yeah i have a really weird perspective because actually it's been over a year now since i when i first went back because I'm a huge Nolan fan, so I was such an advocate of Tenant being the movie that's going to come in. It's going to save everyone. It's going to kill. It's going to be so good. It's going to kill the coronavirus. So I saw that all the way back in September of 2020, if you can believe that. It came out in September of last year. In September of last wow. year, if you can believe that. And I saw it in 70mm uh, IMAX, so I was so amped. I like had to go out of my way. I went all the way back home in PA just so I could see it. And then after that... It was just this huge gap of just there's just no films out. Everything kept getting delayed and delayed and delayed. And it wasn't until let me see, it was probably around Oscar season again, probably maybe like December or January where I finally got back and saw some of the Oscar films in theaters. But 
yeah it was really weird i remember sean just like you said it it was just like a ghost town like where you walked in there like wasn't even a person to take your ticket it was like literally anyone could come in like if you're homeless it's the best place to sleep or just take a rest because there was literally just no one there and the, the first couple of films i went to it was just one or two people like i didn't feel unsafe at all because of just how dead it was so it's definitely changed and evolved over time like we're, we're in a special uh, location being in New York City where it's you know packed and I've gone to AMC 25 it's the biggest theater uh, in terms of screens uh, screen numbers in New York City and that's been really busy and still sometimes it's it's kind of dead so it seems to be kind of hit or miss I think we're seeing some films really come in and like Shang-Chi or like Conjuring like you mentioned earlier where it's 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 a must-see in theaters you need to go out of your way so it's been interesting I'm glad to see it like you said I I definitely have had those emotional moments where I like can't believe that we're still here and I'm not dead or just like I'm actually seeing new movies come out I got to see Shang-Chi somehow like I'm just slowly seeing things on the horizon I just need to make it to the Batman and I'll I'll be happy and I can uh, <laughs> I can finally die then. <laughs> Once I see the Batman in theaters, I'm good. I'm good. <laughs> I don't need any more life. God, that'll be the thing. last Batman. We're good. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you hear me, Warner Brothers? The last Batman. Well, <laughs> speaking of Warner Brothers and Warner Media, to be specific, um, I wanted to talk about and, and really corner off just HBO Max perspective of bringing their films day and date so there's a huge long list some of this kind of goes outside of what we have deemed uh, the summer box office season but sean give me your thoughts and opinions i'm sure you have a lot to say about the day and day release it gets tricky um because on one hand we just talked about going to the theaters and i think that like you know we talked about the must sees in the theaters i think every single film in the entire world should be seen in a theater i think that like theaters are the way to like uh, like unplug and you know go away from like the outside world and you know for 2 hours you're away from the horridness of the outside world and you're just watching a movie and it's uh, perfect i also go see most of the movies alone so that kind of explains how i'm just describing it um now, if we talk about the day and day release that affected, uh, you know, watching uh, in the theater. Now you could, but like you were saying, Ben, it's so much easier when it's at home. It costs way less. Yeah, sure, subscription every month. Who cares? That's not real money. Um, it like it costs way less. Um, you are on your couch. You don't have to wear pants. I usually don't. That's TMI. <laughs> my apologies. <laughs> like, hey, same here. It's, yeah, same here. <laughs> it's like I mean, come on. Like you can pause to pee. I have the worst bladder of all time, and like you know, like I have to pee like pretty much every uh, half hour. And by the way, I may like accidentally leave for a second while one of you talk uh, because I have to pee. <laughs> Um, but uh, the the uh, so there's there's an advantage to this. Um, I think it's improper now. I think it was good in the pandemic. It was right in the pandemic. It was the right call. Um, if they move this to uh, well, we have to see how things go with the Delta variant. But if they keep this going with 2022, uh, there's going to be some uh, major problems. And I think maybe you do like maybe a month trial, two month trial, seeing how like the levels of the pandemic are going. But if they do it for a full another year, then this was never about COVID. Um, and that's maybe it was at first and now they're getting uh, power hungry. The problem with day and day is that uh, also the uh, the box office numbers are inflated. I look at something like in the Heights in the Heights is considered a box office failure, like, you know, absolute failure. Never make a movie like in the Heights again. Don't make movies like in the Heights because it was a box office failure. I'm like every single human I know, all 12 of them saw in the Heights. <laughs> 
and all of them saw it on HBO Max. I mean, I went to see it in a theater because I was a little bit nutty because I really wanted to like get the musical Hell experience. Yeah. So did I. But but it's just like it's on HBO Max. People, if it's on HBO Max, people are mo- the majority of people watch it on HBO Max. There are exceptions to this. We saw them on the top ten. There aren't that many exceptions to this, um, and so that's one thing that's there. Now, on the other hand, I look at this on the other way, and I look at you know the directors that are getting upset over the day day release, um, and I say to myself. None of them, when they make that upset remark, acknowledge that COVID exists. And that's something that really shakes me. It's like, you know, Patty Jenkins is upset about Wonder Woman 1984. Guess what, Patty Jenkins? I was upset about it too, but for different reasons. But anyway, we go into here. And it's like, you know, and she says like, this was an outrage. This is terrible. Um, You know, the guy that did the many states of Newark, uh, David Chase, uh, like also is like, you know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't have put this on, you know, I wouldn't have done that, like made a deal with this studio if this is what's going to happen. And it's just one of these deals where you guys have to understand what's going on. And I feel like I, I understand their need that it, movies meant to be seen on a theater. I get that. And I understand their want for it to be put on a theater. I understand that the biggest one of all time is going to be Dune. And what are the numbers going to look like on that one? And like pretty much they're running like campaigns on like, don't watch this on HBO Max. Yeah. And that will be like, the, that's going to be the really the most fascinating one of all of these. But I just think that that needs to be acknowledged and that wasn't acknowledged. I don't know the right situation. I don't know the right answer. I truly don't. But I know that, you know, like I think it just needs to be that that should be stated. Yeah, I actually think this ties into like my biggest frustration with the film industry is that there's too much coming out. There's too much movies on Netflix. There's too much you know TV shows that are being made and I, a part of that is the day and day release is that, well, we can just, we can just put it out. There's like no more seasons to the film industry. It used to be pretty, yeah. Well, I, maybe that's because of the studio system, but that also kind of stuck through the decades where there was like a season to making movies and it gave crews time off. And, and now you're hearing of Sony, you know, uh, so many awful stories of, of, of production and crew treatment that there could be a strike that could happen, you know, any within the next couple of weeks, like there are talks of that even happening in the film industry and i think that's because of the day and day release because everyone's just like let's just make that like yes to this yes to that green like that and it's a money thing it it's sickening in a way especially like you just said with like the filmmakers not acknowledging that the reason why they have to do this is because of covid because of a global issue and it it sucks for people like us who are really into seeing movies and it hurts our experience and our enjoyment of it because I don't want to say because of others, but it just because of the situation that's going on. The day and day release thing, I'm sort of like okay with it because, yeah, I get that comfort. But I think the 45 day window is like a pretty happy medium. I think that because I remember seeing a movie as a kid where it was like, okay, I saw the movie. Now I'm waiting for it to come out on VHS or on DVD. And like, I really wanted to see it. Like, I really want to have it. And the second. Even like with the first Hobbit movie, the second I knew that the first Hobbit movie was coming out on Blu-ray and it was like in March, the movie came out in December, I got it that day. Like I made sure I had it. And so I'm okay with like the waiting a month, like showing that time a little bit to a little over a month. But the day and day release thing I think is not the best thing because I think it causes so many other things to happen because of it. Yeah, it's it's really hard. I think I I agree with you a lot, Sean. And not only with going to the theaters, I I really do think every film is is benefited by going to the theater. And 
I think it's bullshit if anyone tries to say they watch a movie without checking their phone once at home because it's uh-huh. it's just not true. And that Head immediately up. will take you out out of yeah, same. It's like impossible, right? We're we're so just tempted to do it because it's just there sitting there, right? So I think it, it does. You're always going to be more concentrated and focused on the story when you're in theaters. But yes, like at the same time, you know, this is an insane pandemic that we've really never really seen anything like this before uh, in our lives or really the past like 100 years. So it's kind of like this insane experience. And I understand why they would do it. Like, you know, they want to build up this streaming platform. That's the future. They want to push things out. But I think what's happened is that it's just kind of killed some films. And I think In the Heights is definitely one of them where I was, I thought that film was going to be huge. I thought that was going to be like top five box office. I thought it was going to be so talked about. I thought we were going to even carry it into the Oscars and possibly have it win a couple of things. So that was a huge surprise to me because that kind of just came out and no one really talked about it and no one really went to go see it in theaters, which really sucks because that film was such a fun time in the theaters. Everyone was having such a fun time and clapping and cheering when I saw it, especially here in, in the city. So it's, it's a shame. I, I don't want to talk too much about Wonder Woman because I, I just saw it seen in your face what your opinion <laughs> of that movie is already. Um, but I had the kind of experience where I got out of that theater and I was just like, that was so dumb and so fun. Like I couldn't believe someone made a movie like that. And I'm like, how can people not have a fun time? And then I look at all the reviews and people are like, this is the garbage this is the worst thing I've ever seen. And I'm like, wow. Okay. I, th- I thought it was beautiful when she was like whipping herself through the clouds. And then I could see when you're watching on this tiny little screen that this is just like not as beautiful and a spectacle that I well, thought Well, I'll definitely say from my experience, cause I-, I watch wonder woman at home and I have a nice size TV, but in order, but HBO Max is like, and HBO has always had this. There's the shittiest, you know, compression when they are, when they're streaming. So it's just like the movie just looked awful. Like I couldn't even load the first scene properly <laughs> because my, because just because my internet could like couldn't handle HBO. I don't know what which one to blame, but usually it always feels like it's HBO's uh, apps and streaming services. They've always had issues, um, but it also does provide. I just play a little devil's advocate. It also provides movies that not everyone's going to see the, the chance to see it. Like, you know, on this list of movies that are day and day release, you have Judas and the black Messiah. I don't know how many people were going to go to the movies to go see that versus how many people who did get to go see that. And it, it was one of the best movies that came out, you know, from last yeah. year. And I think yeah. it probably got more exposure than it would have because of the day and day release. That's, that's definitely true. Yeah, go ahead, Sean. I argue with uh, Netflix, um, and this is not the day and day release, but Netflix is one of the ones where people are just like, you know, it's an assault on theaters, Netflix. And this was a couple of years back with Roma. And um, my parents saw Roma. My sister saw Roma. If Roma was in theaters, they wouldn't be seeing Roma. Like, no they wouldn't way. be going out of their way to see Roma. No and way. so, and they loved it. They all loved it, which is even better. It's like this, you know, something that's a little bit more uh, cultural and like a little bit more interesting there. And, um, you know, Spielberg said, like, you know, you have to go to theaters instead. And by the way, I love Spielberg, but that dude has not paid to go see a movie <laughs> in 45 years. <laughs> like, that's very true. That's probably true. Yeah, that's probably true. <laughs> but so I, that's, but that's, and that's the blindness of the filmmakers, I sometimes feel. Right. You know, that, I think that's totally – I've never actually even thought about that. That's totally fair <laughs> criticism, especially with film critics, too. They always get to see these uh, movies for free. But, yeah, I, I – it's that's why I was saying the 45 day window thing, I think is a good, happy medium. It gives everyone a chance to go. You have all your 45 days to go see this in the movie theaters. And then we're going to put it out on streaming platforms. 
I think that's totally fair. Yeah, it's a quicker window, but how many people are now actually buying physical media? Like, no one's buying DVDs or Blu-rays anymore. Uh, unless you're, you know, well, I, like, okay, we do, but we're not, we're not the normal audience. No, you're right, you're right. You know, we're, we're such, we're such outliers when you really think about it. Um, so yeah, so I mean, like, I, obviously I want the Blu-ray, but I'm totally happy of getting it on streaming. I don't have to, in my ready tight apartment, I don't have to physically create more space for it. Yeah. So, and you know, I'm glad they're not sticking to this. I think they've already confirmed that 2022, it'll have that 45 day window and then be on HBO max and I think that's the right move. That's the right call. If they want to make original films, and I think they are, they can just release them, you know, day and date in theaters or not even release them in theaters at all like Netflix does. Um, but I think with my biggest issue is just the, the visibility. You know, when you release a theater in – when you release a film in the theaters, you know, you have to report that box office numbers. You have to show exactly how many theaters it was in, how much money it made, and that combined gross. But when we're seeing with all these streaming services, it's – they can tell you whatever they want. You know, they can say this is the most watched movie because people watch one minute. It doesn't matter if they continued after that minute or not. You know, there's just so many of these vague metrics that they're making and nothing's visible. And I, I think we're going to come to a point where they're just not going to allow it. And, and it's really going to have to be visible in some way because I think we just kind of need we need this kind of this this visibility. We need to, them to pull the curtain down and show us the truth, you know. I don't know. It's, it's it's a really hard thing to, to balance, balance because I think it plays into streaming services and like what they want to push on to viewers, what they want to recommend. They don't want people to take like outside knowledge of what people are watching and then go based on that, you know. When, when number one on Netflix is Sweet Girl for with Jason Momoa, I knew that there was probably – I mean maybe people are watching that one. I mean I contributed. But. Oh, man. It's – uh yeah, it's – it's just too much. There's too much being made, but that's just the world we live in. So yeah. yes, to everything. Netflix releasing a film a week is it's a whole nother, whole nother <laughs> ball game to talk about. I could talk about that for like hours. Oh my god, <laughs> banging my head into the wall. Okay, let's move on to one of the biggest stories, if not the biggest story of the summer, is Scarlett Johansson and her Disney lawsuit. So, uh, this is from Variety. Actress Scarlett Johansson filed a lawsuit in Los Angeles. Superior Court on July 29th that alleges Disney breached her contract by releasing the highly anticipated superhero film Black Widow on its streaming service Disney Plus. So this was a huge deal not only because you know this is one of the biggest stars in the world if not the biggest actress in the world and she's been with Marvel Studios in particular for 10 years I think at this point right so she started with Iron Man 2 and she's became this like legacy character that's so important and I'm pretty sure this was essentially like a contract film that they essentially had to make based on her contract from years and years ago and I think that kind of shows in the film but outside of the film talking about this lawsuit I think this I think in my opinion I'll summarize it I think it's a really good thing I think you could look at her being a really wealthy, rich, elite actress and say, does she really need the blank million more dollars? Of course she doesn't. But I think what this is doing is setting a, a standard that needs to be set. And you can't, you know, just throw something to a streaming service and abuse contracts that you've made. You know, tell me, Sean, what do you think about uh, this lawsuit? Yeah, if we really just like break it down very simply, it's a contract dispute. Yeah. And uh, this is about precedent. And you're right, it's not about millions of dollars. I, You know, not only does Scarlett Johansson not care about those millions of dollars, she might not even freaking know about them. She might not even know that they exist. 
this is her lawyers going here. It, it's like, you know, they, these sometimes these get a little bit misleading here where it's like, you know, Scarlett Johansson uh, sues uh, blah, blah, blah. It's like Scarlett Johansson doesn't sue anybody. The lawyers who are like <laughs> like monitoring every bit of her contract are uh, suing her. Um, I want to highlight uh, the I, I don't want to do word for word. I don't remember it. But uh, the Disney uh, response was oh, um, the dumbest this is the like like the largest corporation you you think they'd have like you know smarter lawyers but they said like she was insensitive to the pandemic and uh, like they're buddy you released the film in theaters you're just as insensitive to the pandemic if you want to play that logic like you want to yeah. come at like that doesn't make any sense like oh god that dro- that drove me insane but um it's it's one of those things where this is yeah this is about precedent um this is about like future situations where you know actors don't get screwed and sure there's the actors that are making millions but there's also the actors that are making uh, tens and so this will qualify for them as well and um yeah their their box offices won't be as large but you know like these kind of contracts need to be honored and you know you can't just get away from it because you're disney even though you own every other like studio chain now Ben, what are, you, what are your thoughts on this lawsuit? Yeah, I mean, it's pretty much the same thoughts of just that. Yeah, it's a contract dispute, but it's going to hopefully set a good precedent for the industry, for you know other creators, and it won't do it for the film crews, but it, I guess in a way it scares the studios a little bit and adding on to what I was saying before about an impending strike that could happen where it's like you know, the studios have to start getting smarter with like the streaming uh, aspect of these movies because just because they think it's great doesn't mean everyone else does. And while, yeah, maybe they do control it doesn't mean that they're then going to maintain that audience, but maybe they will, you know, maybe, maybe I just don't know what I'm talking about, but I, I just think that <laughs> I, it's like, it's great that it's publicly out there and I, I think it's interesting to follow, but it is just a simple contract dispute. And probably in the next two months, we're probably not going to even think about it again, you know, unless something crazy happens. Like I, I don't think, it's probably just going to be settled. Yeah, it'll it'll be settled in a court, and I think this is this is huge. I I really think this is there hasn't been you know a big dispute like this since I mean we're tracking uh, Oscar history, and we recently saw with Olivia De Havilland and Warner Brothers in 1943 this huge lawsuit that kind of broke away her contract because it was just so scummy and really just completely unhumane to, to, to allow someone to do yeah, that. Yeah, it like started to break the foundation of the studio system because of what she did. But I don't know like what kind of system, like the system we have right now is pretty free-flowing with movies. So I think what it's doing is is setting this precedent, though. And I think when you're releasing films, I just really think Disney wasn't ready for what they were about to do, and they didn't really think about all the steps you know they weren't thinking about black widow to ever be released on disney plus that was never the goal in pre-production post-production you know it doesn't matter what stage they were forced to and you know because they did it they made a lot of money but we will never really know how much more they would have made or less they would have made in the box office if it was only in theaters so it's it's really challenging but for me i really just think of a small actor who's in this small little like indie not indie but small film on netflix that like may get some money based on viewership now then maybe she wouldn't have two years ago so i think it's it's interesting i think the way contracts are changing is is important just because this industry is constantly changing with the streaming service so i wanted to talk a little bit about that it was weird because it seems like you know hollywood just wasn't prepared for streaming like before the pandemic yeah. and so then the pandemic it's like you know okay streaming has the front row seat uh, and you know all of a sudden everything became streaming and 
I don't like it's just strange that they weren't prepared for this beforehand. And now, you know, now we're in a bit of a mess. <laughs> yeah. Speaking of movies going directly to streaming, I want to talk a little bit about the Suicide Squad and not only it's kind of bomb based on its budget. I, I believe it was like one hundred and fifty million, but also the film Reminiscence, which is a Hugh Jackman starring kind of neo-noir sci fi thriller that also bombed and not only bombed it. I, to my memory, based on its budget of $55 million and a $2 million opening weekend, placing ninth in the opening box office, I, I can't think of a worse opening than, than that, to be honest. Especially from Hugh Jackman, I mean, you know? Their marketing for Reminiscence was they, they shouted the name of the movie in a paper bag and threw it off a bridge. <laughs> I've never... Like, it was unbelievable how little the trailer came out for this really large movie where they could just like literally put the words like, director of Westworld. Remember Westworld? This is a yep. thing. Hugh Jackman, he's hot. Oh my God, freaking go. <laughs> did you watch Reminiscence? I should ask you that, Sean. Yeah, I did. It sucked. Um, but... <laughs> we, me, me and John watched like what? We watched the first 40 minutes God. and we got to the point where we were just like, if we stop now, we're out of the clear. Or if we yeah, keep like watching, we, we have to finish further. this. So we stopped. <laughs> I don't know why I don't I there, there's something about me being a completionist which I need to freaking stop and I just need to stop watching movies <laughs> when they're bad <laughs> but this one is just you know oh god oh but that's been the see that's the thing that's been great about all the movies streaming is that if it's really bad I can just stop and I don't have to worry about it stop all right let's go watch something else let me put on Lord of the Rings again because that's on HBO Max and that will, <laughs> will satisfy my like movie craving needs but yeah it, it yeah, it wasn't great. It wasn't great. Suicide Squad, though, was surprisingly really good, even though it's yes. quote-unquote bombed. Well, yeah, it's yeah. one of the most watched films on HBO Max. I think they said it's the most watched superhero film on HBO Max. So we know it's doing well on the streaming service side of things. I, I was just kind of disappointed just because I, I really loved the film, and it was such a fun time, and it was ridiculous and goofy and bright and silly and the, the fact that people didn't get to see this in theaters with like some of the wicked action that they had in the film, I'm just bummed by that. But I'm also just surprised about the, the draw. You know, we've seen films come out that have made way more money than Suicide Squad and they're not even, you know, superhero films. We've seen, I think The Conjuring had a bigger box office than even The Suicide Squad. And especially the last film was one of the like highest grossing superhero films of all time, especially based on the budget. So Sean, what do you think about the suicide squad? Well, there's something weird that I notice, And of course there's going to be asterisks to this, but August is just not a part of summer when it comes to the movie season. Like when you look at the like movies released in August, yeah, there may be a couple that like have done it, but usually it's like unbelievable. And in this one, it's like literal, like, you know, it was like, like the beginning, it was like Doc Graham, like stepping off the field. And it was like, all of a sudden it was just like, <laughs> just like, you know, I'm in August, bad movie now, or not bad movie, <laughs> um, you know, box office failure. And I look at that and that just happens in August. I think it's, I don't know if it's that that's when people uh, go to their cape houses Hey, um, or that's when they <laughs> go to uh, like, or that's just when they're going on vacation in general, or they're tired from the movie season. If we think about it, the summer movie season, I'd love to believe it starts on Memorial Day, but I mean, you know, Thanos snapped in April, and I think that's like where you would like spring this like from from there to there, and I, it just keeps on creeping up. Where like you know, Godzilla fought Kong in March, and I'm not saying that's part of the summer movie thing, but also kind of saying it's a part yeah, of the summer. it's blending. Yeah, yeah, I think it has shifted a little bit. I mean. 
I I do th- I do agree. Like August is like the new September, where September used to be like okay, like these movies are kind of the remnants of the of the summer. Yeah. And then October would come around, and you'd really get into it. But now I feel like September is like this week we're getting some movies that like I'm interested in, like Blue Bayou. I'm really interested in seeing. And then that's going to start to ramp up October and then November. And then, then we get back into the lull of like February. But then I guess March is now going to pick that up a little bit. You know, if, if you're getting movies like Godzilla, King Kong, you know? Um, yeah. So it's, uh, it's, it's certainly an interesting time and in a, in a, and it's just shifting. It's all shifting. It's all becoming different in, uh, in how movies are viewed and seen and watched today. Yeah. I think that has a lot to do with streaming services and how they're just beginning to blend these kind of seasons and especially the summer movie season when you're having such big films coming to uh you know netflix and with such big stars that like should be a huge blockbuster that you see in theaters it's it's starting to blur the lines i mean the fact that like sean said the fact that godzilla versus kong came out in march is kind of unreal i mean when they first announced that date i I couldn't believe it i was like march are you kidding me really March, okay. That's like known to be one of the worst months for films. Yeah. I can't believe it. Well, the Oscars are in March now. So. Yeah, also <laughs> really weird. Yeah. <laughs> that's what, um, I mean, that's like, I think what they were doing is there's this weird part where there's a couple of winter movies that can make it. And I yeah. think that they thought Godzilla vs. Kong could stand out amongst a lot of stuff that's not there. Um, and at that point, I'm trying to like think of like where we were with the pandemic. I mean, vaccines were sort of happening, and that actually um, did like you know make quite a bit of money in theaters that's as an right. HBO Max day to day. Like that. It, so there, there, there's some interesting. There was some interesting science behind uh, that one, but uh, yeah, it was it was still a weird day to see. Yeah, definitely. Um, moving on, we don't have to talk too much about the uh, Suicide Squad stuff. I could go on and on about anything DC related, so I'm going to cut it off there. But we'll move over to more Marvel stuff, and there's no way we could make this this uh, summer podcast without talking about the biggest trailer and what will probably be the biggest film of the year. West Side Story. Yeah, West Side Story. <laughs> <laughs> Spider-Man, No Way Home. Sean, what did you think of the trailer? Are you hyped for this movie? I mean, I like I, I, I got mixed feelings. Um, I mean, the movie does sound like fun. Like, I'm not going to be upset by the return of Doc Ock. Like, Doc Ock was like, you know, a part of Spider-Man 2, which everyone cliched said is the, is the best superhero movie of all time. I really do think it might be. But, like, it's just really that good. <laughs> That's a great debate. I, I think we could probably yeah. spend two hours talking about the best superhero movies. Oh. Definitely, time, I could get time. trounced. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, and so that was great. Uh, at the other, at, on the other side of this, like the uh, the several like uh, trailer reactions, when everyone was surprised by Doc Ock, I'm like, Doc Ock was like almost officially confirmed for a while now. I don't <laughs> He's know. He's talking about his scenes <laughs> like in an interview like three months ago, <laughs> like spoiling the movie. <laughs> I watched this trailer like not really reacting too much to it like with excitement or fear or disgust or anything like that um this is gonna be ambitious as hell and you know this is Marvel and they've landed really tough planes the fact that they were able to actually do Endgame is miraculous let's put that like right there like the fact that they nailed that is just kind of insane and so now it's like, okay, let's. What swings can we take now? Well, we're going to do Spider Man with multiple villains. Spider Man has been done with multiple villains. Spider Man three, The Amazing Spider Man two. There's a pattern here, and <laughs> <Yeah>. so <laughs> I do worry about them deciding. Not only are we going to do villains, but we're going to bring back the villains from the original. That all being said, 
this still sounds like a lot of fun and I can't wait to see it in the theaters and I'm going to be seeing it literally on Thursday. So I'm like, <laughs> you know, like, I'm, I'm beyond, I'm beyond in, but I am not there. There's the excitement is a little bit more palpable from other people where I'm just like, sort of, I don't know sure. guys. <laughs> yeah, sure. I think that's, that's totally a fair assessment. I think, I don't know if this is intentional or, or it's kind of just worked out this way, but by bringing back characters and villains from, you know, a whole other Spider-Man franchise, I think what it does is it establishes with the audience who not only it's kind of that uh, looking back fondly, uh, you're a kid when you first saw the original Spider-Man or Spider-Man 2 and, and being with your family or going to like a birthday party. Not only do you have that nostalgia, but what you also have is that foundation of who these characters are already and like knowing what their kind of story arc already is. So by bringing in these villains that, you know, have had their story, you've seen them in the film, whether you liked it or not, you know, looking at you, Amazing Spider-Man 2. Uh, I think what it, that does is, you know, it gives you a base a base ground. And when they're introduced into this film, you already kind of know somewhat of their backstory and, and where they're going with. So you might be able to do it better than you could, say, in like a Spider-Man 3 sense with way too many villains going on. My worry is it's the marvel of it all, of trying to connect everything in, trying to explain yeah. what the TV shows are doing, trying to explain what happened in... <laughs> You know, this movie connecting it to Spider-Man that then is going to connect to the Sony universe. Like we're getting so intertwined with everything that it's like, how can we really and not only coming from like a huge film guy, but also like, how is my mom going to go watch No Way Home and understand what the hell is going on? I don't know. Will she or will she not? Well, do you think your mom would even plan on seeing in the first place? I think so. She likes Spider-Man enough. Like I've gone to some superhero movies with her and she's down. You know, she loved Guardians of the Galaxy. And I think that's like a perfect example of a really packed film that like you really love every character by the end. Yeah. So I, I think that I think that the thing with Marvel is that they are relying on the idea that anyone who's going to go see this movie has seen the 20 movies that came before it and probably saw the TV shows, you know, before that as well. So that's why it all, you know, ties in. And for me, it's, you know, it, I, I, they backed themselves into a corner. I think when they end game was great, but they backed themselves into a corner with the whole time travel thing. And then they started opening that the whole multiverse exists and then Loki happens. And that what happens at the end of Loki, I think it's actually going to directly tie into this film very heavily and they they backed themselves into a corner i think that this is a good idea and i i'm excited for it i, I think it's probably gonna be executed pretty well so i i have more hope than i do like trepidation going into it yeah that's, that's totally fair yeah my parents they, they haven't even they, if i t- said the word marvel they wouldn't know what that meant they'd be like you're marveling at what <laughs> um, so at this point like you know there, there, there's not a lot that we can reach and i think the the common man or the common woman can't be there i mean my fiance like ducks in on like some of the shows and you know she's just like what's going on with loki no i'm not i'm out yeah. so <laughs> there's, like, there's not much that can be uh had with that and um yeah that that's the part that worries me is that someone said it best they we have to do our homework for these now and it shouldn't be considered that and it's not i'm enjoying the shows they're fun but it, it's what we have to see something in order to see the next one and you know i should be able to watch a sequel of a movie just any general movie and you know not have to worry about the first one and sometimes i did that i remember i think as a kid i saw terminator 2 before terminator and you know it yeah works. like you're yeah. it works fine yeah. yeah yeah i remember seeing the second one and being like wait wait what what 
what yeah. it's not bad <laughs> like what is going on i don't understand this like i'm so confused um and that's just confusing from a sequel you know making something that different anyway yeah it's not a terminator podcast uh, we wanted to move on our last kind of like news story is it's not too much of a, a talking point, but really just a, a shout out to Nia DaCosta, who became the first African-American woman to open number one at the box office with Candyman. So one, that's a great achievement that we get to talk about. But also Candyman, I thought was a, a really interesting, you know, sequel, remake, whatever you want to call it. I thought it was a really interesting film and. Uh, I want to know what you guys are opinion. Sean, have you gotten to see Candyman yet? I did. Um, and uh, when I uh, saw Candyman, my you know most positive thought would be um, that the Marvels uh, is in good hands um, for uh, next directorial project. Um, Candyman itself, I didn't love. Um, I felt uh, that the messaging only ran parallel to the story. Uh, instead of like being able to inter- interweave into the story and sure. that part sort of left me like I, I it, it didn't really connect with me as much as I uh, hoped it would it's like oh this is about gentrification but I'm not getting that from like the actual official like plot line They're just um, and yeah, yeah there was a, it was a lot of tell it was a lot oh, yeah. of tell which is uh, unfortunate but uh, regardless like the imagery that's used um, from DaCosta is like spectacular I mean, it's just like really just like beautiful, beautiful the whole way through. Uh, crazy shots, really cool. Like the opening shot of the opening credits where it's the reverse shot of the city. It's just unbelievable. Really, really immersive stuff. Um, and so I think that, you know, there could be something, you know, that's really good in future endeavors. I never saw her uh, film before this. I believe it's called like Little The Little Woods or something. That's something I wanted to check out. Uh, and I definitely will now. Ben, what, what are your opinions? Yeah, I actually just watched this recently, and uh, I really liked it. Um, the third act kind of falters for me a little bit. I, I didn't love how it all got wrapped up at the end. I thought I thought some of the twists were really good. Visually, it was really great. You know, I was definitely on the edge of my seat. I, I did the whole nervous thing where I grabbed my shirt, and I start to just like pull it above my mouth because I'm just so scared uh, type of thing. So it definitely got me there. Uh, but, yeah, I, I felt like the third act of it was like not the best, and then it, it just – the way it ends was, I felt was just a little clunky, but it was good. I, I, you know, I think that a lot of these outside of like a quiet place too, I actually feel like a lot of horror <laughs> movies are, are pretty good nowadays. Uh, it just, I don't know. It's just like a quiet place, but this one, this one I liked, I, I enjoyed. And again, like it got me in the theater. It was a great hour and a half watch. And uh, yeah, I, I felt positive coming out of it, but I, I didn't have to love it. I think as you know, you don't have to love every movie you see. But I definitely was into yeah. it. Definitely. Shout out to that 90-minute runtime. That was beautiful. Oh, it was yeah. so it's great. Like, oh, yeah. man. <laughs> yeah, it was so nice. I'm, I'm excited for Venom, too, to have a 90-minute runtime as well. <laughs> um, exactly. Yeah, I had the same kind of feelings about it. I, I really love the visuals, like you said. As soon as we get the opening with a really beautiful production design, too, like opening up the, the film in, I think it was like the 70s or something. Yeah. It really <sighs> felt like authentic and real. All and the mirroring and all the mirrored numbers. Like, I don't know if you guys picked oh, up yeah. on that. Oh, yeah. I was just like, like, oh, my God, they're all repeating. Really cool. And the fact that, like, the opening, uh, you know, logos from the studio <laughs> were all backwards. Yeah. Like they're in a mirror. Really cool. Like, all these little touches. You could tell that someone really poured their heart into the film. And 
I think that really showed in the visuals. It was more like the script, I think, yeah, like the third act of, of it all kind of falling apart a little bit, even though the visuals were still outstanding. Um, what I thought was really, really magnificent about the film is that it somehow just worked as a, a remake of the series, but also... <laughs> A sequel, like Ben didn't even know there was an original Candyman I, when he saw it, and he was like, "It still works." Like I didn't need to know that at all. So I thought that was really cool, and you don't really see that very often. Shout out to the actors in this too. I mean, all of them, uh, like <laughs> just playing this like it's a horror movie. Like when, like you know, they, when uh, she opens up the, uh, I forget the actress's the name. Um, when she <laughs> they open up the stairs, like yeah. nope, and just like closes <laughs> it and. You have Coleman Domingo just being deliciously evil and just, oh, man, just drawing you He's in. He's really and popped up on course, the scene, uh, Coleman Domingo. He's it, uh, really popped up. It's unbelievable because it's that. It's Zola. It's, um, oh, man, a few others. I mean, you have him in uh, If Beale Street Could Talk a couple of years back. He was in Ma um, Rainey also. Ma Rainey, exactly. Yeah. Oh, man, I knew there was another one in there. Um, and then uh, I look at... Uh, um, yeah, yeah, Abdul Mateen is the same thing where he's popping up. I mean, you know, Aquaman, Matrix, this. It's it's like, you know, he's got a great agent, but he's also got pretty great talent. So. Yeah, he's got a beautiful face is what he's got. That's for sure. <laughs> that is very true. More than just his face. Man, what a handsome Well, not how man. they did him in Candyman, man. They did him dirty. They, I mean, well, they, they gave him like a beehive face. Uh, <laughs> that, that creeped me out the most. I hate bugs oh. and bees, and so that really got oh, to me. Oh, you got to watch the original then. Oh, no. You want to <laughs> see, yeah, see some real bees that. in people's mouths? <laughs> yeah. Oh, no oh, CGI yeah. bees. <laughs> he just got stung. Oh, yeah, he just got stung a lot. <laughs> All righty. We're going to wrap up our little summer podcast here by just hitting on our biggest surprise of the summer, our biggest disappointment, and our favorite film of the summer. So, Sean, take it away. You start first with your biggest surprise of the summer um so it is a shame because i saw this movie uh about two days before Candyman, and so i didn't think Candyman was that scary because this movie was fucking terrifying <laughs> and this is the night house with rebecca hall wow this was just this very simple context uh husband uh, commits suicide there uh she's left alone in the house and you know obviously sounds happen noises happen different things are happening and stuff like that i'll stop it there but this doesn't do a lot of the cliched horror movie things this doesn't do a lot of the cliched scary movie things um i am gonna say the name rebecca hall again because that name should have been a star 10 years ago um because she was great 10 years ago in so many different movies and she continues to like just like have like amazing performance after amazing performance in this she plays scared very well, but she does this grounded comedy to it as well, which is just really like an absolute blast. And um, I, and I went in this movie really expecting nothing, not knowing anything about it. And um, there were moments in this where I was just shaking violently in almost <laughs> like a seizure state with the, um, the very artful and well economized jump scares, which is rare. Sometimes we just do jump scares for funsies. The ones in this were so well constructed. I, I'm just like really blown away by how good this movie Ooh, It was great. Yeah, I'm excited to check that out. That's been on my on my horror list for sure. But yeah, it hasn't really gotten that much coverage at all, which is, is interesting because it seemed like a really cool premise, kind of unique to the horror, but also plays on so many of those horror tropes. Yeah, I definitely yeah. add that to my list. So Ben, how about you? What's your biggest surprise of the summer? Uh, Space Jam 2. <laughs> and it's not because of the quality of it. Well, it partly is because of the quality of it, but my surprise is everyone's reactions to it. Because who thought 
that the movie starring LeBron James in an all-animated movie of a sequel of a movie that's epic in its own way was going to be that much better. It's like everyone's reactions to it were so like vile and disgusted by it. And my reaction was, well, if he just went into it saying this is a shit movie, it's a fucking amazing movie. (laughs) (laughs) So that's my biggest surprise is that just people's reactions were so poor because you should have just known going into it, it wasn't going to be a good movie. I knew going in and still. I was like, I'm going to maybe try to find the good. Nope. <laughs> I, it was funny because I, I re- we have like this weird close connection with a lot of our friends in college, like loved the original Space Jam. We would like watch it all the time. So it definitely has like a close spot in my heart. And I think Space Jam as like an actual film is better you know, the plot makes more sense like it's not just michael jordan getting sucked into a a golf uh, or the you know a golfing hole like it's just the weirdest like setup to a movie and this like at least tried to explain it and i think what it does is over explain it to the yeah. point where it's like this is so stupid like you could have just explained half of this and people would have went along with it and I think the-, <laughs> the the Pennywise reference on the basketball court was just amazing to me. I I, I was so into that. I loved the whole bat. I think that's the best part of the whole movie. Yeah. Honestly, is the ba- actual basketball scene because all the weird cosplaying like references around the ring like <laughs> made no sense, but it was amazing. The characters from A Clockwork Orange were yes. in a child's yes. film. Yep. Yeah. Yes, they were. <laughs> yes, they, they were. In a great Casablanca reference in there. It. Uh, I. <laughs> I mean, again, like if you thought it was going to be a good movie, you were yeah. you're 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 the totally going to it the wrong way. You have to go into it being like, this is shit. I'm just going to have fun with it, and I, I had fun with it. You know, I actually think LeBron James is a pretty funny uh, actor. I thought he like in Trainwreck, he was amazing in it. So I actually would, and he's doing so many great things actually for the movie industry. Like he, his production company did Candyman, so he's doing so many more and more movies. Like you know, LeBron production company. And that's why he went to like the Lakers and uh, I'm excited because I think he's going to keep on building upon this and we're going to be getting more and more movies until eventually he wins an Oscar and that's going to be the best. I don't I, see that happening, but oh, uh, no, <laughs> he will produce a movie that will be best picture contender. I'm not saying it now. It'll be one of those where he doesn't win the Oscar, but like, or excuse me, he's not on the stage, but he technically has an producer. Academy Award. Right. Yeah. yeah. No, he's yeah. gonna, he will get an Academy Award just because he, his production company did it. Like that's how good. Okay. I'll give you that. I'll give you like, that. I think his production company is really good. All right. I'm going to end the biggest surprise of the summer with mine, which I'm not going to talk too much about because we spoke a lot about free guy. And I spoke about how many times I've seen that trailer. I wanted to blow my brains out just seeing it over and over again every time I went to AMC theaters. But I was just so blown away by this film. I I couldn't believe, you know, it's not even that I loved the movie that much. I just really thought it was going to be a steaming pile of shit. And I was just absolutely shocked that it was not only good, but like really just charming and sweet. And it just wanted to be this like sweet and endearing film. And don't have a good day. Have a great day. <laughs> All right, Sean, moving on to the biggest disappointment of this summer. 
Hit us. It still bumps me out to even say this one because I really, really liked this movie for the majority of the movie until an ending that yeah, just left I knew you, you were going to say that. I knew you were going to say that. Because <laughs> it's been the it's been the common thread. I like every single person I've talked to. It's like, yeah, I just hated that ending. Um, and this is Zola. It is a, a movie that is based on a Twitter thread uh, about two strippers that drive to Florida uh, and go on a, in their words, hoe trip. And um, <laughs> this movie's great. <laughs> this movie is great for most of it. It, it <laughs> it's is. It's really, this is another one with Coleman Domingo. Um, and you got Riley Keough playing a, a role that you really have to walk a tightrope in order to succeed in this role. This is a like tricky every role, role really, yeah. I would say. <laughs> Yeah, ever, yes, exactly. Um, it's, it's, and, you don't um, like her at it, the end it, of it. It, <laughs> it's, um, it's, it's really a great movie, and then in the end, it just it stops. And this is one with a short runtime where this could have benefited from wrapping up the story that we see. And instead, it kind of ends of this thing driving away where there's like several things they still have to take care of, and they... They, they don't and I, I just I remember and they put it like it's a little bit more serious but they have it as a comedic flourish at the end which I don't love that either um, and it's like it, it's kind of a it, it's a little bit upsetting towards the end but uh, I still recommend this film because the majority of it is just stylized so well and brilliant so but uh, still a disappointment for me yeah yeah I, I totally agree with that I, I actually read the uh, was it? It was a Twitter thread, I think it was originally, right? Mm-hmm. I, re- I think I read that like a year or two ago when they first announced that they were making the movie, um, which was so fascinating because they really followed it like to the very T. And I think that's where that, without spoiling it, I think that's where that end comes from is because they really wanted to yeah. show the film from her perspective and her perspective only. But uh, I think it does. It hurts the film overall because the story kind of, it just kind of ends, and, and that's the trip. The trip kind of ends, and that's the end of the story. But I think, honestly, it would have changed the film and possibly changed your thoughts if you just kind of ended the film with a couple title cards saying, like, this person yeah. got arrested, this person, this happened to this person, this happened to this person. I think people would have been like, wow, like, that was insane. I can't believe we just saw that. Like, that's <laughs> wild that that's how their, like, lives went from here. I think that would have changed. Unbreakable it, yeah. Yes, yeah. unbreakable. unbreakable it. One of my favorite movies of all time, Sean. So yes, unbreakable it. I'm totally okay with that. Yeah, I mean, I agree too. I think the ending was a little, you know, it was pretty quick when you're just like, I need to know more about what happened. This whole situation. Uh, yeah, I, I liked it. Um, I, I I was interested when you when you put it down as your disappointment of the summer because I wasn't expecting that to be a disappointment because I again like I really liked it a lot. Um. I didn't have a disappointment of the summer, but also didn't have a movie that I was very hyped to see this summer. Um, I think I kind of, you know, talked about throughout our discussion where I've just been like the state of movies hasn't been, I haven't been so positive about it. I've, I've been pretty down about it. And even going into the summer, there wasn't anything I was looking forward to, but next month, I mean, I am so excited for Dune, many Saints of New York. I can't wait for the new bond movie. Uh, you know, French Dispatch, you know, later on. I, there's so many great movies that are coming out that I'm excited for. So that's more of my season and more of like what I enjoy and look forward to. And I'm sure I'll get disappointed then. But there wasn't anything this summer that came out that I was looking forward to in any sort of way that I was like, oh, that's not what I expected. That's not what I wanted. Let me be a jerk to you um, and say, of those you listed, which one of those movies do you think is likely to disappoint you? Uh, the Dune, I think, has the biggest i i'm too hyped i i'm a huge i'm a huge lord of the rings fan 
And so when me people are being like, this is the this is the next Lord of the Rings hypes me up a lot. And I read Dune and I know what happens. And if they're going to do it how I think they're going to do it, I hope they do it the right way. Um, but I, I think that the movie's either going to be a fucking amazing or people are going to be like, this is the shittiest thing I've seen. And so, uh, so I'm very worried, but I'm also very excited for it. I think that's fair. It's so overhyped at this point. I don't know if it's overhyped. I think it's the correct amount of hype. It's a, it's a really good story, and it and it's a very yeah. epic uh, storyline and tale that, you know, like they they made the movie in the '80s, but it didn't work out too well because it's again like something Lord of the Rings. It's like deemed unfilmable until you have the technology to do it. I think the problem is is that uh, th- there's just so many like film bro status parts of this where it is like you know a, a story as old as time. We got Denis Villeneuve and you got that cast, and so pretty much everyone's like has decided that it's their favorite film of the year before seeing it. <laughs> exactly. <yeah>. And oh, <laughs> I mean, it, and so that's the- <laughs> Green Knight's already my favorite film of the year. I, I already love the Green Knight too much, and uh, well, let's well, jump you, right and into you, and it. You saw it, and yeah, I agree with you. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, but like, but Dune, I think, has the potential to be like a movie that I think can be universally loved, but also as a movie that has a chance to be universally hated because they just didn't succeed at that. So I'm hyped, but I'm also like, I'm ready to be disappointed. <laughs> So jump right into it, Ben. Why is the the Green Knight your favorite film of the summer? I I it goes back to the whole Lord of the Rings factor. I love mythical tales. I I love Tolkien. You know, Tolkien did an adaptation of this, which I immediately picked up and haven't finished yet since I uh, started reading it. But that also that's because I just watched the movie, so I already knew the story. Uh, you know, I Dev Patel. I love. I think he's amazing. I loved. I loved how he was. Uh, the actor that they used for it. This wasn't just like a, a whitewash type of movie. They, you know, there was diversity in it. There's a lot of, there's some like racy subjects they got into the movie. I love, they don't say that it's about King Arthur and like the round table. Be, and so it, leave, it creates this whole, just like, I'm trying to think, like, it just creates this whole new story in your head where you're like, oh, this is original, where you think it's original. Cause I don't think most people know that this is based off of, uh, you know, an epic poem, you know, written, uh, what, probably in, the 900s you know this this story came out so uh yeah so i I loved it it was visually great it it might be the best looking movie of the year um so i'm very excited to see how it will progress especially towards oscar season i don't think it's gonna be very like it's not gonna be rewarded that much just because of the time that it came out but i would love to see it get a lot of awards and attention it's going to pick up some technicals, um, yeah. at least for nominations. Like it, 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 I mean, it has to. I know, I know, it's a summer movie, so that makes it difficult. But I, I don't think you can ignore that. It's, <laughs> it's so just, good. It's it, it looked so good. <laughs> yeah, the cinematography, production design, costuming alone is just oh, unreal. God. Yeah. What was your uh, favorite of the movie of the summer, Sean? Mine was in the Heights, um, and. It's still probably my favorite movie of the year, although it's in a battle with uh, The Green Knight. So those two right now are battling, which I love the idea of The Green Knight battling um, the characters from In the Heights. Um, But uh, it's In the Heights. uh, It's just this truly beautiful musical. I not only cried several times in the movie, um, I cried uh, on the way home from the movie. I cried the next day. And then while writing the review, 
I actually was crying as well. And so this like had like just so much emotion just hit with me uh, between all of the characters. Um, yeah, sure. There's definitely a, a long third act um, and Usnavi's flight leaves the next morning, eight days. <laughs> it just feels like there's like several times. And so there's a little bit of a drag. But then when I rewatched it, um, I was like, oh, that actually is a little bit tighter than I remember. And so it, it, it still works. Um, there's just so much I love about it. And, um, but I, I will, I will definitely nod your head to green Knight Cause whew, that, that's one hell of a movie. <laughs> are you, are you normally a fan of musicals? You know, I mean, I, I picked it up recently. Um, the, the movie musical, a lot of times, no. And okay. it is because I don't think the movie, like, cause often they're adaptations from Broadway. Um, and often they don't get it right. Um, right. where it feels like I'm watching a play. Um, you know, I'd argue this is definitely not the last time it got it right, but it's pretty close, uh, is uh, Chicago, where I think that that one incorporated the elements of a play, um, really, like, had some fun with it for once. They didn't make it very, uh, like, you know, messy and stuff like that. I look upon what's happening this year, and I think, uh, dear Evan Hansen, uh, yeah, I'm going to see it, but I don't know about that one being good. Yeah, I don't <laughs> like, think that's, I don't think plot me. has aged well. Uh, for it, a does, lot of it has not. It really has not. And then there's a couple more musicals coming out. There's the one with Andrew Garfield, Tick, Tick, Boom, which – interests me i don't like it interests me because of the uh, character involved which um i get it wrong i say john lawrence which is incorrect um but is the creator of rent um and uh his entire um you know like his story and i, I love the idea of that one and uh yeah but like i don't know i mean I, I i really go back and forth on like movie musicals movie musicals can be very tricky and i think in the heights is one that got it right and maybe that's why i'm just so pleased by it it's like oh you finally did this right i mean we're getting west side story coming up i'm a little bit pissed about that remake i and i'm a little bit pissed that people are just sort of you know they're like you know it's spielberg it's okay that he's doing a remake if anyone else was doing a remake we'd all be burning down that studio like but for some reason like once again i love spielberg his movies are like amazing but it, it fascinates me that he uh, like he, he's sort of like getting away with this in the terms of like uh, like popular opinion where you know hey maybe the movie's gonna be good by the way like I don't know but yeah it, it's, it seems strange to me I, I'm excited for West Side Story I, I know John is in I'm a I like musicals and I definitely fall in that territory of like it's either really great or really bad uh, type of thing where or if I just don't enjoy it but I'm excited for West Side Story it's one of my favorite musicals it's one of my favorite movies actually uh, and and from a lot of connections for that for me uh, so I'm excited to see it but there is a lot of trepidation going into it because it's just like this could be bad and then the whole Ansel Egort outside thing is still hanging over it which we were saying we actually were just talking about it where it's like they kind of just they were able to sweep that under the rug unfortunately uh, and so it's gonna be interesting to see how that movie is received when it does come out i i think it's going to get a lot of love but, uh just because it is spielberg it's based off a very loved musical and loved movie um so we'll see what happens uh but it could fall into that category of like you didn't need to do this where this movie musical just doesn't yeah. work yeah i'm right there with yeah you. i mean the the ansel news is going to come back when it's going to be uh competing for oscars and oh, they'll yeah. they'll jump that one yeah 
Definitely, yeah. It's going to be really tricky to bring up. I feel like his agents probably really just killed that as fast as possible, especially for this movie. Maybe it was partially the studio as well. Yeah, I have really mixed feelings about that. It's Spielberg, you know, you're you're the man who, like, made some of the most iconic, not only summer blockbusters, fits right into our podcast here, but also some of the most iconic, memorable American films of all time. And you just want to remake a film? I just, one, think that's you must be bored or tired or just or got this. a lot of money from Warner Brothers. Sure. Guys. And using this as just like an experiment, you know, I just, and it, it just looks so similar to the original where it's like, it looks really beautiful, but it's just like, why does this need to be a thing? It just shouldn't exist in my opinion. But anyway, before I get down that rabbit hole of, of really hating that movie <laughs> before even seeing it, uh, I, I could totally see why you guys would say the green Knight. I, I really enjoyed it. It was like this really tight, compact little, just beautiful. Like every, Every frame of that movie was just like you could tell people poured their heart into it from production design to the score to the acting. He's so, so good in that movie. And then with In the Heights, I really love that, too. And and that was a really big surprise for me. I'm like, oh, my God, Lin, Lin-Manuel is so corny. Like if I hear the Hamiltons, any Hamilton song. <laughs> I'm gonna just die. I, I just can't do it. Well, we should. Pre- you haven't ever seen Hamilton, right? No, I refuse to until I can. Have see you, it have on you have, Sean? Have you seen either the film that was on Disney Plus or a stage version of it? Uh, both. Um, and we watch the uh, film every Fourth of July. Okay. Uh, in honor. Of, do you, so, uh, do you like that, Brando. or is that like a, a family member, or a fiance <laughs> thing, kind of pushing that? It's a fiance thing pushing it, but that's just because I don't like rewatching stuff. Um, okay. But uh, I, I, I do like I, I like the uh, play. I think it's actually well structured. Um, yeah, everyone says like, oh, all you have to do is listen to the album and you'll understand. It. I'm like, no, no, <laughs> no, 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 not at all, no. not even close. No, <laughs> no but it, I, it's really good. I really like it. So it's interesting to hear John's perspective on like a Lin Manuel Miranda, like here, corny guy. Like it, it doesn't work because, because then you also have his next thing, which was Hamilton, and that was. It's really great, uh, but I mean, I mean, I'm just digressing. I want to talk about Hamilton for a second. Yeah, for me, Hamilton, I just kind of refuse to watch it until I can see it in in person. And if I can't see it in person, I'll wait three or four years until I make the actual live action. I, I don't really consider the filming something on on a Broadway stage to be a film. So Disney you Plus won't do the day to day release. Yeah. No, Disney no Plus way. is like the stranger in the van. Be like, John, I have all the candy. Come here, come watch it. John, no come way. Here. Comes out, he comes out of the wall with the candy. Yeah. You're just going to scream. <laughs> but I was really blown away by In the Heights. You know, as soon as that opening scene happened, and there was, there was probably like 200 shots in that like five minute opening, I was like, holy shit, this is insane. There's like shots of a light switch, shots of like turning on the coffee maker, like so many tiny individual shots to like build this world of New York, which they do so well. And, and I was really, really touched by it. And my girlfriend and I like were just find ourselves singing and quoting the movie all the time, just like goof- <laughs> goofily like yelling at each other. So I totally get why you'd pick that. I had to be a, uh, um, you know, I get paid by Marvel, so I have to pick <laughs> Shang-Chi as my <laughs> favorite film of the the summer season. You know, I've I'm I'm such a big fan of genre filmmaking of of action films, and I obviously love the Marvel universe and I love comics. So all this really came to a head, and I I love like you know all sorts of awesome Asian action films as well. And I was really just really blown away by this movie. You know, I was really excited already to see it, but I was just not really sure what the film was going to be. And I was just really, really shocked by just how tight 
the whole script was you know every kind of small little line even if it's like a small little joke it all kind of came back and and tied directly to their characters and i was i was just shocked by how much they packed into this film and at the very end you know spoilers if someone hasn't seen it we've seen two dragons fight i'm just like it's not even the fact that they're there. I just like did not expect the film to, to go this way and to still stay so grounded and just be about a father, you know, just completely being disconnected from his son. I found it really, really touching while also being so entertaining. The Planet of the Apes monologue um, might be one of the greatest pieces <laughs> of <delivery. laughs> I, I could not keep it together during that. It was truly magnificent. Definitely one of the ben biggest Kingsley. laughs. Yeah, definitely one of the biggest laughs. And, yeah, that was that was another big surprise. I, I couldn't believe that they brought him back, and not only did that, they redeemed his character in in such a <laughs> such a hilarious way. Like, where that helped me because I hated Iron Man three because of how they botched the whole Mandarin character and the ten rings. A, it, that was this difficult tightrope that they just completely fucked up. <laughs> oh yeah, and now you can look back on it, and that's kind of really cool how the Marvel universe can like sculpt and change previous films in a way by. You know, bringing Ben Kingsley back and like changing his character, and he's still the same guy, but they're rerouting it to to really show you what the Mandarin is and, and what the Ten Rings really are. And you know, I can go on and on about how great the action is and and how amazing I thought just like the really incredible use of the Ten Rings and how they kind of fought with them and just how amazing like some of the the CGI and and the fight scenes were. But that has to be my favorite film of the summer, just because I. I, do, I haven't seen an action scene like that bus fight in in a oh. long time. Oh, yeah. When that so was good. about to happen, John just starts nudging me. He's like, watch, watch this. And I'm like, I mean, I am watching you, <laughs> asshole. <laughs> it's, I like was literally gasping. I see a lot of movies. You know, I see a lot of movies in theaters and I've seen a lot of action movies. And I just couldn't. I was literally gasping and just like was fearful for their lives. And I like had to stop myself at a certain point and be like, it's just a movie. I can't believe you're getting this worked up about this. Like, I was literally like, oh, oh, like gasping, like trying to hold on because I was just so into into the fighting. And yeah, that's got to be my favorite film of the summer. So, kind of wrapping up here, uh, we appreciate your time, Sean. Is there any other film that we kind of didn't hit on uh, throughout the summer that you wanted to give a nod to or talk about? I'm sort of looking at that uh, list you have here, and um, we talked about that, talked about that. Um, you know, I think about. Old, I think M. Night Shyamalan is a treasure to Hollywood, um, and I don't think that movie was good, but I do love like kind of watching his attempts at these movies, Hell which yeah. are just fascinating. <laughs> Hell yes. I loved Old. N- not even like, you know, I love M. Night for both his good and his bad, and I just thought it was like the perfect combination of his like stilted dialogue that still end up working and it was like one of the most bold original films of the (laughs) year that like people are not even talking about anymore and and it was the number one you know film of that week too so that's that's pretty insane that such a small film in terms of it's just budget and and not really any big stars in it shout out to m night he's the man i met him actually i just really that's a different story oh really yeah a different story (laughs) I truly love just like studying like just that filmography and where he's gone. He's gone up and he's gone down and there's been like some of the lowest of lows and not literally the highest of highs. Yeah. And it's just like fascinating what he does and what he sticks with and what he learns from last uh, mistakes or what he leans into from last mistakes um, or what he just like goes the other way on. And so I just think that old is another chapter in the M night saga. Definitely. How about you, Ben? Um, any, any other films oh. left? Uh, we didn't really talk about Luca and 
and I love I love Luca, but that made me just want to jump off and talk about Rhea and the Last Dragon because I love that. Yes. Did that was that a summer movie? I can't even remember. I think it falls a little bit outside, but yeah, a little it's kind bit of outside, like right but on the window. I, either way, like Luca was really good, but Rhea was like that much better, which then falls into this whole discussion of like are Disney movies getting better than Pixar movies? Maybe uh, at least Rhea was better than Luca this time around. So, but Luca was also really good. So we we didn't get a a chance to give that really a shout out. Luca interestingly had this form of the classic Disney animated movie. Yeah, the goofy villain that turns sinister at a certain moment. The uh, you know two friends having a goal with very low stakes that you know turns into something that like becomes uh, higher. Well, three friends, pardon me. Um, and uh, you know there's there's this like you know element of fantasy to it, and you know there's plenty of Pixar movies like that. But I I couldn't help but watching like an old school Disney movie in the form of uh, computer animation. Yeah, I mean, gorgeous animation too. Like the oh, water, so good. and, and it just—I love Italy. Uh, It's—it was just really gorgeous film as well. And yeah, and the only other kind of shout out that I didn't really fit into our list wasn't really that big in the box office because it's a Netflix film, Army of the Dead. So I have to give the Snyder fans out there a little shout out. Well, I—I <laughs> I, I didn't really love it. I don't think it's that great. I think it could have been a lot better if it was. Uh, edited a lot more but uh <laughs> i i got to see it in theaters uh netflix has a really beautiful theater here in new york called the paris theater so sean if you ever visit us we can go check out netflix uh theater here in new york really really rad um they gave us like free popcorn and drinks maybe that made the movie better but i i love batista again back to the wrestling uh he's he's the man and i think he's got such a great film career and filmography and Army of Dead had some really cool new takes on the zombie, you know, genre, and that's really awesome to see. If you can still kind of change and and develop that genre more, good on you. That's that's a hard thing to do. Yeah, that one was a uh, that one was a trip um, for me because I remember that had probably the most like well constructed. This is almost the opposite of Free Guy. That had the most well constructed trailer, like where I was just like, you know, you got Kenny Rogers, like you know, no one to hold the full. I was just like, okay, this is I am one hundred percent in on this. And then when I saw it, I was like, it's good. Like you know, Dave Bautista is great, but like the relationship with his daughter is just terrible. It's and just not, it's yeah. designed to be in the beginning and then just doesn't grow. I was no. like, oh, you had three hours to workshop this damn thing. <laughs> yeah i i can totally see all the faults in it definitely i just had to give it a shout out because it is like such a iconic blockbuster but released on yeah. netflix so uh ben are there any other films sean are there any other films that you uh want to give a shout out before we wrap up here uh no i i, I think i'm pretty good uh with movies that were coming out this summer but there's so many movies yeah. i'm looking forward to so uh th- that that's what i'm excited about is what's coming up yeah, I'm, I'm really excited for what's coming up. And uh, Sean from Math Teacher Movies on Instagram, big shout out to you. Is there anything else you want to plug, shout out, anything else? So, uh, yeah, uh, Math Teacher Movies on Instagram, like you said, and also the Guy at the Movies podcast with Joe and Sean. We usually release uh, when or, uh, we do a live taping on Tuesdays at 7, and then we release on Wednesdays in the morning. Um, and that pretty much always changes because we're always busy. So, <laughs> uh, <laughs> but at least uh, the nor- that's the normal time. But, uh, you know, definitely check it out. We do, uh, same, uh, we do some movie news. Um, you know, we go over, like, we review a couple of films from uh, that week and uh we just in general have some fun awesome well we really appreciate your time yeah, this you, is awesome. you're a great guy to talk to definitely in line and we'll definitely do this again i would love to do this as like a maybe 
a quarterly thing every kind of quarter of the year every season maybe we kind of talk to you and, and wrap up that that quarter of the year yeah we'll have to get you on a, on a worthy episode also yeah an actual episode yeah um you guys are still doing early hollywood which i'm bad at the knowledge of but uh i would absolutely love to get on a possible uh, best picture winner but thank you guys so much for having me as well this was like such fun time yeah 100 percent. and uh yeah we'll definitely do this again and uh you know we, we see we message each other a lot on instagram so we're, much, we're definitely yeah. gonna stay in touch and uh definitely like sean's content it, it's really great and it's almost like three posts a day you're doing i, I at least i feel yeah, i feel like i'm always it. seeing yeah. it yeah <laughs> yeah prolific as hell Big shout out to Sean. Thank you guys. Thank you guys for listening and stay tuned for more episodes of Worthy. Enjoy your evening to the fullest. How about some snowy, crisp, and crunchy popcorn? That's a fine way to relax. Just sit and munch contentedly while you enjoy the show. Bring enough popcorn back for the whole family. Everyone likes popcorn.